your eyes are not deceiving you if you are watching us live on twitch we do have a third person here who's only going to be here for a small part of the podcast but they asked to be here so before we get into that welcome to episode 223 of the no spots weekly wrestling podcast i am dc's people's champ i am joined as always by my tag team partner the dark lord sif himself from the regular basement sif Yes, welcome everyone to the regular basement. Thanks for all followers, chatters, subscribers, lurkers, people listening to us on our audio platforms, and people finding us for the first time. A warm welcome to you all. I gotta say this off the bat. PSA, if you have kids going trick-or-treating Tuesday night, make sure their candy isn't fucked with before they go into crush mode. I don't want any kids getting sick or otherwise. Thank you. Champ, what's good in the People Studios in the ABA? Good time. All good, but the other person who is joining us, you normally see him during our New Japan podcast, but because we are covering a very short-term tournament, we decided to do it on the weekly podcast, so he is here now. He woke up as this guy named Sage. Sage, yo, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? We are here. This, this, uh, A lot has happened in this tournament. That we will get to unpredictability yeah. is a is a, a major statement. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a major statement with this tournament. Uh, so as I mentioned, Sage will be joining us for our news and notes segment, as well as we will be recapping the first the first five nights of the Super Junior Tag League Tournament in New Japan. Uh, for the interest of time's sake, we will not be talking about Royal Quest. And or and Fighting Spirit Unleashed. We know those events already happened, uh, but we will get to them most likely later this week. So keep an ear out for that. But we will be covering just the Super Junior Tag League in our New Japan recap. And then afterwards, myself and Sith will be traveling the rest of the way talking about Bound for Glory. We will also be talking about what happened this past week with every show, including Collision. And then we will have final thoughts at the end. So... Without any further ado, you know what to do, referee. Bring the bell. Okay, let's get this thing started in news and notes. And the first news story has to do with what happened this past Wednesday on Dynamite. As you know, Dynamite's main event was a tag team match pitting the Blackpool Combat Clubs. Uh, Claudio Castagnoli and Brian Danielson taking on the international champion, Orange Cassidy, and the face of New Japan, Kazuchika Okada. Uh, towards the end of that matchup, though, Okada uh, and Orange Cassidy did a combination of the Orange Punch and the Rainmaker, and it left uh, Brian set, like holding onto his face with like he was injured. 
Now, a lot of people thought it was a work because Okada kept taunting him and people were just standing around, didn't know what to do. But we were later, we would later find out, well, on Saturday during collision that, that Brian Danielson suffered an injury to his orbital bone, a broken orbital bone, and is expected to be out the remainder of the year after having surgery to repair it. Now, this comes a little over a month after he had just returned from a broken, a fractured forearm that he suffered in a match against Okada at Forbidden Door. Uh, so again, it happened on uh, in the main event where he took the orange punch and in the Rainmaker, uh, uh, broken bone happened, and now they're using it as a storyline with Claudio Castagnoli vowing revenge for his fallen brother and everything like that. But this is a legit injury, and he's going to be out for a considerable amount of time. So, just want to get this. Okay, my browser is frozen. That's not going to bode well for the recording. So, I, I definitely. Uh named that combination uh the orange what did you name that combination <laughs> the orange <laughs> the orange rainmaker okay. God damn it. okay well say since you spoke since you spoke up first about this how did how, what do you think about this story um yeah. this plays in very well it's it, it, it sad that brian gets another injury but this plays in very well to what has happened since Forbidden Door. Okada has been the catalyst for his last two injuries now. Uh, the, the forearm and then the Orange Rainmaker, which Orange Cassidy is the one who punched him in the eye. But it's still the combination of Okada wasn't holding him. He wouldn't have caught, he wouldn't have caught it so flush. Um... What was interesting to me is no matter if he was hurt or not, the reaction, and me, me and you have said this on the New Japan podcast many of times, Okada anywhere else is a heel. The and If you go back and watch the ending of that, he is taunting Brian. He's, he don't care that he's hurt. He's calling him everything under the sun. But Okada lost again. This is the major thing of it. Like, yes, Brian has another injury. Yes, uh, Claudio is, is using this as a catalyst towards the storyline. Yes, this is a second injury dealing with Okada. But again, Okada has lost in a match against Daniel Bryan. So it's like, why wouldn't he taunt at this point? Then it's like, oh my god! Every time I want to do something with you, you break. You, you're not even a favorite toy anymore. You're a hand me down. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's it's really interesting. Um, I really hope he has a speedy recovery. That orbital bone, uh, is really, really pivotal. Um, he has one of the sharpest minds in, in the game today, and he can't execute that. If he's getting, if he's taking all these injuries, but will also be the a bigger catalyst to say it's time for him. It, it's it, this is his last trip around the world. This is his last trip around the world as a as a wrestler because he's 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 breaking so quickly, right in front of our eyes. So I well, I yield the I mean, floor. 
I mean, to be fair, he already had said this is going to be his last full year wrestling, and clearly, like it's 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 clear that this is the right time for him to start winding it down. This is his second major injury. This is his second pretty big injury in the last four months. The you know the with the with everything like that. Uh, Sith, your thoughts? This isn't ballet. It is something that Champ Sage and I say all the time about these injuries that happen that happen in the ring that are legit that are not a work this is not ballet and i totally agree with sage people expecting okada to be a baby face don't know okada outside of aew the guy is a heel a personified fucking heel so no, yeah. no, no. I, I gotta correct you. I gotta correct you. In New oh. Japan, like so. So here's the thing with Okada here in the United States, he can come off as either a heel or a face, depending right. on the promotion he goes to. Just like in Japan, he's a face in New Japan, but if he goes to like say Pro Wrestling Noah, they hate the hell. They hate his guts. Exactly. Right. Because of them, him going after Kaito Kiyomiya. So that's what that is. Right. Can get out of Kaito Kiyomiya. Okay. <laughs> he ran him out the gym. Still, <laughs> we hope. We all hope the brain gets better. And I think this leans, as Sage said, more to the credence that, yeah, this has to be his last trip. This has to be because his body, sadly, is breaking down right in front of us. I'd love for him to be have a backstage role as a producer or an agent or something. Absolutely. There'd be an AEW or WWE. I'd love for that to be him because there's a lot of knowledge he could pass down to the younger talent if they're willing to fucking listen. Um, but he's got a lot of knowledge to give people. So even though this is really a bad way to kick off the final year or final trip around the world, if you will, I'm hopeful that when he comes back, he can finish out and maybe become a producer champ. Yeah. I, again, he promised his daughter that he would like, once she got to a certain age that she would slow, he would you know, cut down on wrestling full time and be a part, be part time. But, you know, again, clearly with him having these type of injuries, this within this time frame, clearly like it's, it's, that's more of a sign for him that, yeah, it's time to get, you know, time to get out of this while the getting is good. So uh, best mm-hmm. wishes to Daniel, to Brian Danielson. Hopefully, uh, you know, he'll come back from this pretty soon. They said he'll be out for the remainder of the year, uh, which means there's no guarantee that we'll get, uh, Danielson versus Okada at the at the Tokyo Dome. That would be awesome, but I don't think we're gonna get that. So mm-hmm. yeah, we might. We'll, we'll we might if he if he out the remainder of the year, and that's January fourth. Boy, I can see that Man. video package now. <laughs> yeah, we'll Okada, see. O- All right, Okada ain't got no match for the Tokyo Dome right now. Not yet. But um, the the All right, so we're gonna keep this. So we're going to keep this thing moving along here. And a former WWE Women's Champion uh, has begun making appearances on in on the indie circuit after having not been seen in WWE since SummerSlam and the match that she match she had on, at SummerSlam. We're talking about none other than Rowdy Ronda Rousey. Uh, Rousey made a surprise appearance 
at a Lucha Vavroom show last Thursday in which she took part in a tag team match with her friend and current uh, star in AEW, uh, Marina Shafir. They took on Taya Valkyrie and Brian Kendrick. She actually got the submission victory in that tag match. Well, guess what? That appears not a one-off when it comes to an indie show because Wrestling Revolver uh, made an announcement of an event taking place in Los Angeles, California, and she actually retweeted that by and commented on that saying, how can how very convenient and then later on they would make the announcement that ronda rousey was going to make the appear an appearance there in november the 26th uh in, in los angeles it's going to be live on fight tv so ronda rousey went from just wwe and trash and wrestling fans to now making appearances on the indie scene Stage, I'm like Sith. I'm gonna start with you since I started with Sage last time. What do you think about this? I, I can't wait to hear Sage's because. Yeah, Sage had had was, was Sage's take was funny. Yeah, here's mine. So Seth, I start with you. Hold on, <laughs> boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It kicked up a notch. Yeah, Ronda went to an indie promotion after bashing wrestling fans, and looks like she had a good fucking time. Yeah, I think the qualms she had were maybe with some, not all, of the WWE fans and maybe some of the way that the wrestler, the wrestling media discusses stuff. Because you get tired of the gossip stuff being thrown out there for fodder, if you will. So what a way to make a comeback, even if it's for a couple of nights, then to show up at an indie show, be in a tag team match, and get the submission win and team with one of your closest friends. Not your best friend, but one of your closest friends, Marina Shafir. So good on Rhonda. I hope she's happy doing what she's doing. And I wish her nothing but the best. Yeah, uh, Sage, I got to hear what you got to say about this because the first, because so here's going behind the curtain here. Me and Sith were getting ready to do the podcast. I told Sage I would have him in the lobby and I would bring him in just for the New Japan recaps uh, segment, and then that would be it. But I guess when I mentioned that one of the news stories was Ronda being on indie shows, he messaged me and said he wanted to be part of the news. And I think yep. this is one of those news stories. There's a reason why. So, Sage, what do you got to say about this? You fucking hypocrite. You're a fucking hypocrite. You sat there and you bash. You horribly talked about wrestling fans. Not only just wrestling fans, people not not just WWE fans. You talked about wrestling fans around the world because they were coming for your head and talking about how bad your matches really were, that you were being carried in matches. And then and now you oh Marina Shafir said to join her, and you go and you go to these indie events and you have a fucking great time. You're a fucking hypocrite everybody is subjected to change their mind understandably but for you to bash the way that you did oh man you oh you the same way you got online and went for it is the same way you need to get online and as 
as a, a great WWE wrestler said, and at one point in time, he was the number one uh, champion of the modern era. Fucking apologize. Yeah, Go apologize to the people because you, and then you go into another indie date. So you, so you seen it was just as bad as everybody was talking about behind the curtain of WWE, and you, and and now you on the indie side. Fucking apologize. Everybody deserve it. You talked horribly about people. Sure, you can fight in real life. Understandably, you get hit by a truck, you can't do nothing. Apologize. <laughs> oh, good one. Apologize. Like, apologize. Like you, she owes people an apology. The, granted, from what I've seen on Twitter and what I've seen from from it, it looked very good and it looked pleasing to the eye. And you had three people in there that could carry you again. Um, <laughs> you need to apologize. Definitely need to apologize to these people. That's why I wanted to be here for that. I wanted uh, to say she needs to apologize. <laughs> I will I will say this. I just it's so crazy to me. Like she got done with SummerSlam and she said, I'm done with wrestling. I'm out, I'm out of here. Don't you know, don't no. talk to me about wrestling and that oh, shit. Yeah. She got beat by Ronda Rousey. She got beat by Shayna Baszler in one of the weirdest, weirdest matches I've ever seen. An MMA mm-hmm. rules match that was just not they it. legitimately hurt each other. Yeah, I know, right? But it, that match just wasn't it. That, that match wasn't was the it. best part of it. That part that that was trash. That match is horrible. But when you go and and no matter what you do, you can't. Shayna Baszler couldn't carry her. Shayna Baszler did the best that she could to carry her. I even taking some of the hits that she shouldn't have took. Yeah, it was an MMA rules match. But this is also WWE. So, like, we've seen uh, boxing matches in WWE that th- it, it didn't look like this. Even Butterbean said, it, I pulled some punches because this was WWE. This was WWF at the time. Where WWE is still that same thing. You're supposed to pull some back before you to, like, really go in. Like, you're trying to hurt Shayna Baszler, too. Like, you took it as really MMA. Um I'm glad you're gone. Stay gone. Please. Please. I want you as gone as, as MJF. Uh, not MJF. As uh, Christian want Rick, uh, Rick Flair gone. Yeah. Try it. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I just find it's crazy that she's that her. She's really hitting the indies. Like I, that's fucking crazy to me, dude. But whatever. Um, I don't. It is what it is. You know, it is what it she's is. She's atti- She's attention seeking. Absolutely. Whatever. She, I don't care. She's a spoiled I little brat. Matter of fact, Kawali on it. Anyway. Yes. Whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> keeping it moving here. One of Major League Wrestling's biggest stars and one of its longest reigning World Heavyweight Champions has asked for his release 
from the company with his contract not ending for another two years. And that is none other than former MLW World Heavyweight Champion Alex Hammerstone. Uh, Hammerstone, who recently had his 644-day reign as champion come to an end in July um, in July when he lost that to the to the uh, to Alex Kane. Uh, and he hasn't been seen in the company since. Well, a report from Fightful Select said that uh, he asked for his release, um, you know, after five years with MLW and said that the relationship has become frayed. Uh, he's still under contract until 2025. And, it, and as of the as, and the report states that there's a possibility that MLW will not grant him his release and he will most likely stay on contract until it's over in 2025. Um what happened was, uh, according to the report from FIFA, is that uh, Hammerstone currently has a monthly guarantee that adds pay per event, per any event he's a part of, and that he was supposed he was supposed to miss the September event that MLW held due to a prior engagement that he had or prior obligation. But then he became available, but the funds were allocated. The funds that were supposed to go to him went somewhere else, and he was ultimately kept off of that September show. And because of that, that has caused the relationship to be frayed. Uh, uh, Sith, what do you think about We don't watch a lot of MLW, but this is one of the guys that, especially during the pandemic, basically was the face of MLW as a champion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a good look where it comes to MLW because of something is being guaranteed and a wrestler is available and now you're not paying that guarantee. Ooh, this is not good. Now, of course, they have the right to keep this guy as long as you want through his contract, but there's a problem with that, though. If he's unhappy with the company, how long do you keep an unhappy talent hanging around your locker room? How long? Just like if you're WWE, do you really want to die on a hill bringing back Ronda Rousey? No. Or CM Punk. Or CM Punk. Well, Punk, maybe. But Ronda Rousey, burning people twice? No. I would try to work out a deal to get this guy gone. I don't want this guy in the locker room. If he says the relationship has been frayed, that's not good. Either work on that relationship with him or you give him his outright release. Yeah, I mean, that that seems to be a thing, especially because he hasn't worked in MLW shows since losing his championship in July. We're now in October going into November, so we're going uh, three going on four months. So, you know, it is what it is. Sage, your thoughts? Uh, I'm gonna have to defer on this one. Um, you told them and you let them know that you had a prior engagement. So one man don't want run the show, and that's what CM Punk had to learn. One man don't run a show. So at the end of the day, yeah, you may have a guarantee, but you kind of crossed yourself out of being available for that show, and then plans of whatever was going to happen fell through they they're not supposed to just change it because you said oh yeah i can go now no so when the money went somewhere else that's what it was supposed to do you can't come in last minute and say yeah i'll be a part of the show when you ain't been here since july buddy 
so it's is it's a thing of I, I and and I 100 understand the thing of yes, absolutely. If the money is supposed to be guaranteed to him and it's available, yeah, put him as part of something. But if you the money is not guaranteed, and well, I mean the money is not there to guarantee him that, and mm-hmm. he that's where he doesn't be a part of the show. You don't be a part of the show, so the money went allocated somewhere else. And on the next go around, buddy, we got you. But for you to make a sour grapes about it and re- ask for a release, people are asking for releases of way better things because um, Mustafa Ali waited years to get his release. Yep, and it took it took all the way up to now, and it was because they were not using Mustafa Ali. They were treating him as a joke when he was one of the best talents on the fucking roster. You're not that you were the guy that has that did carry them through the pandemic. You were the Drew McIntyre. Great. But you are not the best person there. You are not the best person there. So in a in a sense of that, sir, sit down, please. Wait your turn. Because there are other people in this locker room that, that wants to get paid too. You didn't you you had something to do. That's what you told everybody else. So no, like I, I don't think that's fair that, that you request a release for that. No. Mm-mm. Especially if you wasn't on the show. You wasn't on the show. So there's there's no reason to pay you. So I mean I'm sure I'm sure we'll get more to this story as it goes along. But I mean, right now, just off the surface, just off of that reporting. Yeah, that got, that does seem like a little bit of a, a stretch to want to release because you were not going to be available for the show. Then you come become available last minute. And then they said, well, we we don't we still don't need you because we, you know, this, that, a third. So, I mean, yeah. it is what it is. Uh, before we move on to our final news, our second to last news story, I want to say hello to Heretic Ninja in our Twitch chat, uh, who is joining us. And remind, and I, it was the November the 16th, that appearance from Ronda Rousey. Uh, so, there you go. And he also said that she was a brat in WWE and he will die, die on that hill. I think a lot of people <laughs> are going to die on that hill uh, when yep. it comes to Ronda, Ronda Rousey her WWE uh, behavior. Uh, but before, we're going to continue on to talk about this is our final news story, not our second last. This is our final news story. Uh, it was announced on the 25th of October that WWE has a new premium live event that's going to be coming up, but it's not only going to be a new premium live event, but it's also going to be a premium live event taking place overseas after the successes of backlash in in a backlash in uh Puerto Rico clash at the castle as well as and money in the bay both in the in the united kingdom they are going back overseas this time to staying in europe but going to germany say hello to bash in berlin the first ever premium live event that will be taking place in the company of germany it will be taking place on saturday August the 31st of next year from the MB from the Mercedes-Benz Arena in uh the capital city of Berlin. Uh there have been no other information put out to this point including when uh when tickets will go on sale, but yeah, first time ever they're going to Berlin and then a report came out that there's a possibility of them working on a premium live event in Paris, France as well. So they're really trying to hit uh the European markets with these premium live events, as you know, this will be the second 
premium live event that will be taking place overseas uh, in 2024 uh, with the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view taking place in February of next year in Perth, Australia. Uh, and of course, we're going to have, of course, the uh, a Saudi Arabia show as well. So uh, that'll be three event, three premium live events that'll be taking place overseas uh, up in the upcoming 2024 year. Sith, uh, I want to start with you. Your thoughts on this one, sir? This is amazing, and given that it's going to be taking place in Berlin, Germany, it means on March the 31st, of Champ and I are covering it. It's going to be an afternoon matinee for the two of us. Just like this Saturday with Crown Jewel will be an afternoon matinee for us. Um, what was that like date again? People of Berlin. Yeah. What was that date again? March 31st for Berlin. August 31st. August. August. August 31st. Yeah, August oh, okay. 31st. Yeah. Okay. okay. And that's right around time of all in. So I wonder, how is somebody feeling about that? I see he hasn't blown his lid off on Twitter about it yet. No, <laughs> <laughs> I said yet. <laughs> yes, I'm being petty when I say that. But still, I'm happy for the people of Berlin because they've gotten live event shows. They've gotten these live event shows for years, whether it be Raw or part of the European tour, etc. Now they're getting a PLE. They're getting a pay-per-view, which is really, really awesome. And think about it, y'all. London, I mean Paris, Berlin, at least one in Saudi Arabia, Australia. That's four out of ten possibly more pay-per-views. They're going to be overseas next year that are confirmed. That is just absolutely amazing. Champ, I yield the floor. Yeah, Sage, what about you? How do you feel about this one? Uh, I almost got into a tissy because I thought he said March. I thought it was March thirty first, and that is my birthday, and I'm not. I'm I, I'm not dedicating nothing to that on that day. Uh, <laughs> but no, um, honestly, uh, them hitting these European markets is a major thing. They're uh, if you watch the press conferences afterwards, they are. It's a telltale of they are creating these monstrous gates they're they're breaking these numbers they're breaking these records and i think this is part of the triple h regime that he's always wanted to do what if we did a pay-per-view in this place what if we did pay-per-views in these places yes we won't get the same televisors or uh, viewers like we would but it's a replay thing because we have streaming networks. So now that we're killing it on the streaming networks and we're killing it when we're doing it live and we're killing it when they're at the gates, I, I think this is uh, financially and uh, for the whole uh, uh, sharehold group that this is uh, a smart decision. Um, I'm loving the fact that this is more of Triple H's vision more than Vince McMahon's vision. Because that's what it looks like. Because I remember he took he he started this whole thing with taking NXT to Japan. They were already doing like European tours and stuff like that. But when they did the NXT in Japan and taking Finn Balor back to his home grounds and letting him run rampant, this is what they seen from the Japanese uh, audience. 
that they will pay for these this type of gate. Now, what if you put these people on the main roster that they've also seen come through New Japan? You have them now in WWE, and it's pushing through the gate. They're making the money. I I, I think this is the smartest decision they've made, and um, with, under this Triple H regime, it's really it's really telltelling of the money they can make and the way that they can expand. And Vince McMahon is not holding them back. I really I I I really like. The uh the you know the whole idea of going over to European uh places for these premium live events one because yeah we do do the excuse me the midday live reactions so it's you know it's chill it's really cool and everything like that but also again you're you're introducing you're you're introducing your product to people who only get to see it from a distance um and i think that's one of the key things about that is that there are people who are seeing these from a distance uh and a lot of maybe only travel to the united states for these premium live events like wrestlemania or royal rumble or SummerSlam or or something like that but um other than that you know they may not be able to travel to these and they may and like sith mentioned earlier they only get maybe live events uh maybe uh, they, they don't even get uh, a raw like I don't think I don't even remember the last time that a raw or SmackDown can't emanated from Germany. Like I don't remember. Uh, it's there was one in '97. That, yeah, I, that's the only one I can remember. Is yeah. the one from '97. That's and the only one I, I remember. clearly remember that because it had very little to do with the storylines. Okay. Yeah. You had it was on tape, and you had the guys in the studios. In fucking Connecticut, doing commentary to events that happened during the day. Mm-hmm. It was one of it, it. It was weird. Champ and I have seen, and Sage and I, we and Donnie as well. We have seen a lot of episodes of Monday Night Raw. That one from Germany is the worst one I've ever watched. Hmm. Yeah, that's the only one I remember that actually emanated from Germany. So I think this is good for them. And then, you know, of course, Australia, the the big question is, like, what time will that premium live event air in the United States? Uh, Because I've done the um, the whole time difference thing to figure out, you know, the time difference between the East Coast and uh, Perth, Australia. And it's a big time difference. Uh, I'm going to pull it up really quickly just so y'all can here like how what the time what time it is right now in uh perth australia so that way you would know we get you get an idea so right now so let's see it's almost eight o'clock i think it's like it is it is currently it is currently 7 49 a.m in perth (laughs) australia they are 12 hours ahead of us which means if they were to do a premium live event, it would most likely be in, in, in a morning one, like 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Jalen, As Jalen Rose so famously did on his podcast, Jalen and Jacoby, not going to be able to do it. <laughs> nah. Nah. If it's going to be a if it's gonna be 8 p.m. local time, that's 8 a.m. East Coast. We ain't gonna be doing no live reactions. No. I'm, I'm gonna say that right now. It's not gonna happen. Butch 41, not gonna happen. 
Not gonna be. And that's a Saturday. It don't matter. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just saying that's a Saturday. I'm yeah, I don't, not gonna. I don't get up till ten. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, not gonna be able to do it. <laughs> I'm about to. I'm, I'm I'm the only Bama out here that actually gets up at that hour, and I don't even want to record at that hour. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm just, my it's not happening. Not gonna be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Like, if you're looking nope. for live reactions to uh, to Elimination Chamber in February 2024, check out Denise Salcedo or Walk Culture or Cult Hall or one of them battles. You ain't gonna yep. get no those spots ain't gonna be on that. <laughs> I ain't gonna be on that type of time. Anyway, all right, let's talk about the new J- let's talk about New Japan. So Sif will back out for just a quick little bit, and it'll be just me and Sage here, and we're gonna talk New Japan. We're gonna talk Super Junior Tag League. Uh very, very interesting tournament indeed uh for Super Junior Tag League. Again, we won't be talking about Fighting Spirit Unleashed or uh Royal Quest. I know I said last week we were talking about Royal Quest. I did watch it, but for the interest of time, we we're already almost at 45 minutes, and that was just a new segment. We still got a lot to cover. So so for time's sake, we're just going to stick to Super Junior Tag League, and that's it. So that means that I need to watch World Quest tonight, <laughs> right? No, I watched it. I watched. I watched World Quest uh, last week because it's it, it's on World. Um, and yeah, I, I seen. I need to go. I'm gonna go watch it. I'm gonna go watch World, World Quest, and then I'm gonna watch Fighting Spirit. I'm gonna watch the beginning of Fighting Spirit to Eddie Kingston's match because I, I miss. Right, I so, miss Julia. Uh, <laughs> the Julia match was pretty good too. Yeah, her and Ayan, that was pretty good. Anyway, yeah. So we be so the Super Junior Tag League opened up in uh, on August on October the twenty first in, in Saitama with the uh, beginning. We also like just so you so this is a reminder. Super Junior Tag League cards are consisted of three preliminary matches and then five. Uh, Super Junior Tag League matches. Uh, so, of course, our three matches here saw Hanare, Great Okan, and Callum Newman defeat uh, Narita, Umino, and Nakashima. And Yurimura uh, and Sonata defeat Loibe and Bolton, and Bolton Oleg. And then Naito and Hiromu beat Taiji Shimori and Gato. So, our first league match. So, again, interest of time. I'm going to go through all the matches on that day, and then Sage will just give his thoughts overall or on with any particular match or, so, or what have you and stuff like that. We'll keep it pushing. So, our league matches were as follows we had TJP and Francesco Akira catch 2 2 of the United Empire taking on TMDK's Ichiban Sweet Boys, Kosei Fujita and Robbie Eagles. TJP and Akira hit 2 2 on uh, Fujita, and they got their first two points with a victory. The match went 11 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, the Intergalactic Jet Setters got on the board as well, defeating Taka Michinoku and Doki of just five guys. Uh, with the hoverboard lock on Taka Michinoku, forcing him to tap out. 10 minutes, 15 seconds was the match time. Uh, the unlikely team of Master Watson and El Desperado were also victorious in their first league match over the DKC and Ryusuke Taguchi. That high angle German from Watson was the difference. The match was 10 minutes and 47 seconds. Uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions the, from the Bullet Club War Dogs, Drilla Maloney and Clark Connors, got their first win with the full clip, defeating Musashi and Yo. And also getting on the board with two points would be the team from Los Ingobernables de Japón, Titan and Bushi. They defeated House of Tortures, Yoshinobu Kanemaru and Sho uh, 
Teton hit his springboard double stomp to get the victory and win two, uh, 13 minutes and 54 seconds. So, Sage, what were your thoughts on night one of the tournament? Uh, a lot of interesting dynamics. Um, my first question would be about this tournament. Kosei Fujina, is he still considered a, y- a young boy because of the fact of um, just the way some of the things played out in the match that you would expect him not to deal with? Like, he's he's open to his moveset, but he's not making the smarter decisions like um like a um people that have already come back from excursion so it was it was real interesting to see because he's going to be here throughout and and they spoke about this he's going to be here throughout his excursion so he's going to be here be up in australia be in the u.s be in the uk he's going to bounce around to get all of that um that experience during his excursion but it's going to be interesting to see how he shapes out being gone for a little while and this match kind of showed that He's very versatile, but we already knew he was really good athletically and he was really good in a technical sound, but it just, it wasn't clicking here for, and I don't know how they're doing in, in Australia, but I know right here, it, it looked nothing like what they've been raving about in Australia. Yeah, so I know that they talked about how they've been they've been winning a they've been winning quite a bit in Australia. Uh, so they thought that it would translate to here, but it looks like it's not really translating that much over here, over in Japan, I should say. But I mean, good. It was a decent first showing uh, on this mm-hmm. one. All right, night two in Tokyo. It will be the first of two back to back nights in Corcoran Hall uh, once again. Uh, United Empire came out on top. Another long line ate the ate the pin. This time it was a ch- arm triangle choke by Okan on the Oscar Loibe to get the victory. Loibe was teaming with Narita and Numino. Uh, Okan was with Hanari and Caleb Newman. Uh, we had ourselves a, t- a time limit draw in a match between just five guys and LIJ. Yurimura, Taichi, and Sonata teamed up against Suji. Uh, Shingo and Naito. Uh, it went the time limit draw. So now it looks like Yurimura has another per- another bone to pick with someone else, and that would be Suji. So there you go. Anyway, oh by the way, we both myself and uh, Sith and Sage went undefeated on night one. Sith had only missed two, which was the just uh, just five guys in the Jet Setters, as well as Despy and Watson versus DKC and Taguchi. But everybody else was on on board with everything else. So uh, good job. All right, we also the third match would be a special championship match. It would be for the New Japan World New NJPW World TV Championship. Zack Sabre Jr. defending against Bolton Oleg. This was the the match he had originally had scheduled earlier on, but had to withdraw from it due to a wrist infection. Uh, but now he was getting his match up, but he would tap out the match with 13 minutes and 38 seconds for Zach to retain his championship. This would be his 16th successful defense v16 as new japan world tv champion unbelievable all right 
I believe it. League matches and <laughs> league matches and the DKC and Taguchi would get on the board here, handing the, uh, the LIJ team a Titan and Bushi their first loss, thanks to uh, Ryusuke Taguchi having his pants pulled down and sitting on poor Bushi's face. That happened. Uh, then, uh, so that happened. They got on the board. Then T- TMDK's Ichiban Street Boys would also get on the board. They would get the victory over Takamichinoku and Doki uh, with uh, Kosei Fuja using a modified stunner to get the victory and give them their first two points. Yo and Musashi would get their first two points in this one, defeating Master Watso and El Desperado. Durant, uh, Watso ate direct drive uh, in our semifinal. House of Torture will also get their first victory. Uh, they would defeat the Intergalactic Jet Setters thanks to a lot of cheating and a shock arrow uh, to get the victory. And in the main event, uh, the team of Clark Connors and Driller Maloney would remain undefeated, uh, defeating Akira and TJP Cash 2-2 in the main event and then almost killing them in the process. Sage, what did you think about night two? Killing them is an understatement. Um, Taguchi and DKC getting on the board early. I knew I know that cost us. Um, because I, I, I like Taguchi does some so many antics and play so much, you don't think he's gonna win. Um, the the Musashi and Yo, they have a lot of chemistry. It didn't in this match. It didn't. It, this is the one when they they lost. They won this one. Uh, they have a lot of chemistry, and it, it was you seen that from the first match, and now that you've seen that they kind of clicked it together in the second match, like it's it's some things that they had to iron out, and they and it, it's been a time, long time since they teamed together. In 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 a new Japan eyes, it's the first time they teamed together. So it's it's really um interesting to see Musashi translate into New Japan and, and that was one of my biggest questions coming into this tournament. How was how was he going to translate from where he was to where he is? And he he's 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 living up to the hype that Yo gave him. Watch yeah. us trash. <laughs> that is all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, so I, also, I go if you if you go back and watch if you go back and watch it's a couple of these matches where like you go back and watch you need to go back and watch catch two two versus uh war dogs go back and watch a very very good match oh my goodness four people in the ring that just knew what they were doing yeah Four people in the room knew what they were doing, and I and and back when back in April we asked, "What this is? What is this hill turn going to do for Clark Connors?" I'm I'm I'm, he's growing. It's growing. You can see he's growing, and this is one of those moments where he's he's showing the growth, and I I I, I can't be mad at it. Yeah. All right. So on this night, Sage, you went two and three. I went three and two. And Sith, unfortunately, went one and four. He only got the TMDK match right, uh, unfortunately. So uh, I was the only one that went with the War Dogs in the main event. And that ended up being um, 
that ended up being a, a good one for me as well. But we're going to keep it moving and we're going to talk about the next night in Corkwood Hall. And again, the three matches that took place were mostly multi-man matches again. Uh, this time, this time though, uh, the team of, of Umino and Narita were on the winning side with Bolton Oleg, uh, when they defeated Great Khan, Hinari, and Callum Newman with Shota Umino breaking out a brand new finisher known as the Bay, the Blaze Blade. So yeah, he got that going. He got that going on. It's supposed to be like a play off of the hidden blade from Will Osprey, sort of a shot at Will Osprey's bow. So there you go. Then Yoda Suji and Hiromu defeated Gato and Taiji and Shimori. And uh y- Yurimura, along with Taichi and Sonata, defeated Asuka Loibe, Tomohiro Ishii, and, Hiro- and Hiroshi Tanahashi. He hit him with that double arm underhook overhead suplex known as the dead ball suplex. Uh, and that would give them the victory. Now for league matches, uh, Taguchi and DKC would win two in a row. Uh, this side with the modified Gato clutch on the Kosei Fujita, and they would beat the Ichiban Sweet Boys uh, to get to four points. Uh, the TMDK team now down, still at two points at one and two. Uh, Yo and Musashi would also win their second in a row, defeating in an upset, many would consider. Uh, defeating Francisco Akira and TJP catches you too. Now, mm-hmm. TJP was selling uh, the neck injury that he suffered the night before in the main event, uh, which led to the, to Yo getting the win with direct drive. House of Torture would get their second win of the tournament, defeating Takamichi Noku and Doki. Again, more cheating and the shock arrow, and that's where we got the victory there. Uh, semifinals are the Intergalactic Jet Setters get their second win in, in the tournament, defeating the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions with a surprise sh- uh, shock pin by Kushida on Drilla Maloney. And in our main event, the first of a consecutive main events for the team of Desperado <laughs> and Watto, they would get the victory over Bushi and Titan with Recita Mente 2 by Watto. And yeah, Sage, what do you got to say about this one? Watch us trash. Um, right. <clears throat> the sh- really not a shock, but for intergalactic jet setters to get the win the way that they did. Oh man, interesting. Uh, they were just high impact. They were faster. They they stayed on their toes. Kushida is he's Kushida, man. It's nothing. Kevin Knight, um, I like Kevin Knight. I just don't like with the direction of Kevin Knight's gimmick. It was cool at first. Um, now it's it's a little stale to me. I need him. I I need him to do something. I need him to do something a little more. Like Kushida's carrying this thing, and I need him to do something. Like I'm gonna be real with you. If he turned on Kushida and joined the War Dogs, I wouldn't be surprised. Like hmm. one of those type things. If he, it, it, I don't see him being part of LFJ. I don't see him being maybe being a part of Chaos. Like I don't. The Han Han ain't doing it for him. I need I need him to. I need Kevin Knight to do something. I need him to. He has this big opportunity, and I need him to grab it and 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 run with it. And it's 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 looking it's like it's starting to get stale. He's lost in direction, and Kushida is the only one, ca- uh, the captain of the ship. So, 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree that something needs to happen with Kevin Knight. All right, moving on to uh, night, th- uh, night four, I believe we're on now, night four. And we started mm-hmm. off in Saitama with uh, GBH taking on uh, Oscar Lloyd by Yudo Nakashima. I think we all know how that went. By the way, Tomaki Homa is really talking like they're in the, in the World Tag League. I don't want them in World Tag League. Do not put them in World Tag if League. If they are in World Tag League, we will not cover World Tag League this year. Yeah, there you go. This is um, we're dead ass serious. I'm not covering it because I'm not going to sit here and watch them go over and stuff and take away a spot from what could be a, from another heavyweight tag team. I'm just saying, uh, showed like Umino and Narita defeating Newman and uh, Great Okan. Uh, we also had Yoshihashi, Toriyano, and Tomohiro Ishii defeat House of Torture, Dick Togo, Yujiro Takahashi, and Evil. And in our league matches, Intergalactic Jet Setters with win number three. Uh, they would uh, it would be the hoverboard lock for Kushido on the DKC to give them the victory. Then we would see uh, Cash 2-2 get back on their winning ways over Takamichinoku and Doki. We would see House of Torture once again win with uh, underhanded tactics. They are now at 3-1, 6 points. They defeated Yo and Musashi. We would see uh, the... IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Champs get back on uh, get back on their on their game over Bushi and Teton with the full clip, and we will see in the main event Desperado uh, uh, just take take out a very very just very determined Kosei Fuji with the Pinche Loco to give his team the victory. I mean, Kosei Fuji was just defiant to to the end before he he met his ultimate Lord. end. Uh, in that one, Sith. I mean, Sage. What did you think about this one? Um, this story against of this never in the story of your show is really a telltale thing. Um, Yo has grown. Show has not. He stayed immature. Um, but you're finally translating show into something because here's the thing show is a champion he's a singles champion he's the kopw provisional champion what can you do like their laws like if he gets pinned that that becomes a contender so they have to they have to protect him um and i'm talking about um house of torture they have to protect him so like um they're going to be one of the teams that probably what we at four is not is what nine matches is it nine matches yes it's not it's nine matches okay, each, so, each team has nine matches yeah so right now they're they're looking at they're looking at like the, the head of the table right now uh but i don't know if they're gonna run the table that's to me the thing i think they're gonna take that backslide soon enough because everybody's gonna expect them to cheat, so they gotta be ready for evil, be ready for the other, be ready for the other three members. So it's just gonna be interesting to see. Um uh yes, Kosei was defiant all the way to the end. That that fire that burns inside of him, everything that we see, I really wanted to translate even better. And and I and I love every single time I love when. Desperado and Robbie Eagles get into a ring because that reignites both of them into who they are. So that that's gonna always be um a, a good matchup to me. When you put them two together, oh my god, it's gonna be interesting. 
Yeah, they both they both destroyed the leg in two totally different fashions, and I'm loving Desperado keep leaving Watto. Huh? I'm loving Desperado keep leaving Watto. He that, keep yeah, walking away from Watto. Yeah, that, it's hilarious. It's fucking, <laughs> but when we get to night five, boy. Yeah. So, all right, we're on night five right now, and it started off with, again Homa, Makabe, and Tenzan uh, just beating up on young lions and stuff like that. That nothing to see here. Uh, Umino once again using that blaze blade on Cal Newman to get the victory, and this Sayano getting his using his tactics to help defeat Hell's Torture with Yoshihashi Tomohiro Ishii. Our league matches with C Catch Two Two get there. Uh, get their third win. They are now at six points. They uh, got mm-hmm. the victory with the two with the two two on the DKC and Taguchi. Uh, we will also see. Uh, we will also see a big upset. I mean, this is a big upset in my opinion. Huge. Huge. Do- Doki with the assistance of a super kick from Taka using the suplex de la Luna, though it was called the suplex de la K, to defeat Yo and Musashi. Uh, they finally get two points on the board after going winless for most of the tournament. So big upset there. Uh, show and Yoshinobu Kanemaru fell to Kosei Fuji and Robbie Eagles. Remember what you were saying earlier about uh, them protecting the show spot. because whoever pins him, whoever pins him, they will become a contender. Well, Robbie Eagles pin show. Yep. So sure there did. you go. And that gives that uh, that gives them only their second loss as House of Torture. Our semifinal saw. Bushi and Teton win with El with Angel Immortal, and in our main event, in what was yo, this main event was fucking crazy, bro. This main event, this was, was crazy. this is my favorite so far of the tournament. This is my favorite match, and then it's the catch two two and uh, War Dogs. Yeah, those War are my Do- top two. This was insane. But go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Desperado and Watto defeated the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Champions uh, with the Pinche Loco onto a onto a belt on a title belt after they beat the living crap out of each other. And Clark Connors ripped his mask off, but luckily Desperado had enough hair to at least cover part a, a part of his face. And then afterwards, except gladly accepted Watto's T-shirt to cover himself fully. And stuff like that. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on this night, uh, Sage? This match. This this a night of change. and Well, not change, but a night of a surprise that um, just five guys gets on the board. But then you end the night with the mask ripping and the, uh, the unmasking of Desperado, which... We know Desperado's a handsome guy. We just wonder why he keeps the mask on, but he's the luchador. And then at the end of it all, like you see, you see the fire in his face when he kicked out before he brings his hair over. Oh, you seen the fire in his face when he kicked out and he and he was ready to it. When you take that mask off of him, he becomes the older version of him and he doesn't care so he already don't give two shits and you made him not give two more shits (laughs) (laughs) so right he don't give four shits (laughs) right here and he's and he's going insane oh man oh man he yeah oh i love i love a unmasking desperado sighting (laughs) 
I mean, the last time we saw it was 2021, Best of the Super Juniors final with him mm, and Romu. Mm, 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 mm. I got to go back and watch that match again. I know, right? <laughs> like, for real. Hey, when that so, match come off, he, he, they went for it. Right. All right. So before we move on to this week, which will be basically the final nights of, the, of, of league action, before we get to the finals on the 4th, uh, we're gonna say here's what the how the records stand out before we go to the final stretch. Sith sits at ten wins, fifteen losses. So Sith's having a tough time right now. Sage, okay. you you sit at sixteen and nine. Okay. And I sit at fourteen and eleven. Oh, I'm in the lead. All right, let's go. <laughs> See, I did that on purpose. That way, I did that on purpose. That way, I could get you know, have you thinking, "Oh my God, no!" And then be like, "Yes." So yeah, uh, you're right. in the lead by, right. by two, but we still have four right. more uh, nights to go. So anything can happen these oh, next four nights. So, oh, uh, I know. so I know. they continue action on the on the 30th night before Halloween. Home of Mac. Homa, Makabe, and Tenzan will take on Bolton Oleg, Oscar Loibe, and Yudo Nakashima. We already know what's going to happen there. Uh, Ren Narita okay. and Shota Umino take on Callan <laughs> Newman and Great Okan. And then Yano, Yoshiashi, and Tomohiro Ishii will face the House of Torture, Dick Togo, Yujiro Takahashi, and Evil. <coughs> so, first league match will be the DKC taking on House of Tortures, uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Sho. Who you got in this one? Uh, even though they just lost the match because they what three and two, uh, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go House of Torture. Yeah, I'm also going House of Torture. Sith already sent his picks for this week. No, Sith okay. already sent his picks to me to me uh, previously, and he's picking DKC and Takuchi to uh to win. Okay. So that's what he's going with, and then I'll go over the I'll go over the uh the 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 points as well at the end, and we'll tell you where we're at with that as well. Yeah, since we're all right. Next up, next up, just five guys take on the War Dogs. Who you got in this one? I got the War Dogs in this one. They're going to be on a vengeance after that loss, last loss. Yeah. I got I got War Dogs as well. Sith is going with just five guys. Uh, Musashi and Yo taking on TMDK. Who you got in this one? I'm gonna say Musashi and Yo. Okay. Well, you're you're lone wolfing this one because me and Sith are going with TMDK, and then uh, Catch Two Two versus Lij. I'm going to go L.I.J. All right. So that's a unanimous L.I.J. across the board. And then the Intergalactic Jet Setters against Despe Watto in the main event. Who you got in this one? Don't say that. You was going, you was doing so nice without saying that. <laughs> Why would you do that? Um, we was having a great well, show. I- <laughs> like. Well, it's funny because I came up with the name and then New Japan printed it on their website. I want my freaking royalties. You do. You do. Um, I'm going Desperado. T- 
team desperate. Yeah, I'm also I'm going with Despy and Watson as well. Uh, Sith is going with the intergalactic jet setters to uh, get the victory. Uh, next up in Toyama on Halloween, uh, we'll go. We'll skip past the preliminary match because it's the same ones as the night before, so it doesn't matter. Right. Yo and Mus- Yo and Musashi taking on the DKC and Ryusuke Taguchi. Who you got in this one? Yo and Musashi. Same. You know how Yo gets at I've... the end of a tournament. <laughs> he start. He get on a roll. Right to lose to lose like the last night yeah. or some shit. Yeah, I'm also go yo Musashi. Um, Sith is going with the DKC and, and Taguchi. Just you five guys really versus like Lij. Uh, yeah. Lij. Yeah, I'm also going with Lij. He is going. Sith is going with just five guys. Intergalactic Jet Setters versus the Ichiban Sweet Boys of TMDK. Who you got? Oh, my God. I'm going to go TMDK. Make a risky move right here. Yeah, me and Sith are both going with the Intergalactic Jet Setters. Uh, War Dogs versus House of Torture. Bullet Club versus Bullet Club. I'm going to go House of Torture. Uh, Me and Sith are going War Dogs on this one. And then uh, Master Watson and Despy against Catch 2-2. You know who I'm picking. I'm going to down this up. Desperado. I want Desperado to go 5-0 in these main events. (laughs) They haven't well, lost the main event since they did it. Since they well, in the main event. Well, Sith, well, Sith is riding with you. He's going with Despi and Watson as well. I'm going with Cash Two too. That's going to be a very good match. That's going to be a very. It's going to be. It's going to be good. It's going to be real good. All right, uh, next night because they're going straight through. They, they're going straight through. There's no breaks here. Wednesday night they're going to be. They're going to be a Komatsu. And uh, again, mm-hmm. okay. So the only difference with these with the preliminary matches is the first two is home teaming with Narita and Umino against Newman Hanare and Great O'Connor. Hanare should be back. Will be back from the United States. Uh, yeah, same with uh, yeah. Same with um, Hiromu. He'll be back. He's back from the United. He'll be back in the, from the United States. Teaming with Suji against Gato and Taiji Shimori. The third match is once again Yano Ishii and Yoshihashi against Tiles of Torture. The DKC against Driller Maloney and Clark Connors, the War Dogs. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go DKC and uh, Taguchi. That's gonna cost me. That might cost me. What's it? All right, me and Sith are going with the War Dogs. Lij versus TMDK. Ooh, ooh. What's the name? Hates Bushi. He hates Bushi. I'm gonna go Lij. All right. Uh, Sith is also going with Lij. I'm going with TMDK. Yo and Musashi against the Intergalactic Jet Setters. 
Yoa Musashi. Yeah, we're me and Sith are going with the Jet Setters. Master Watson and Desperado against just five guys. So no main event this on this night for them. <laughs> Who? I want Desperado. Desperado. I want them. I want Desperado to win so bad, and then I want him to take both trophies. <laughs> That would be hilarious. And then Catch 2-2 two two versus House of Torture in the main event. Catch 2-2. Two two. Yeah, I'm, we're all going with Catch 2-2. Two two. By the way, uh, Sith is going with just five guys. I'm also going with Desperado and Watto. All right. And then the final night of league action, which will be on November the 2nd, which is a Thursday. And the, the order hasn't been determined yet, so I just... I'm going to go by the order, the list that they have on the website, and then go from there. So, Yo and Musashi taking on Lij. Yo and Musashi. All right, we're me and Seth are going with Lij. Tmdk versus War Dogs. War Dogs. You and Sith, are, you and Sith are both going with War Dogs. I'm going with TMDK. Intergalactic Jet Setters against Catch Two Two. Catch Two Two. Yeah, I'm also going with Catch Two Two. Sith's going with the Jet Setters. House of Torture against Desperado and Watto. Desperado and Watto. Yeah. Me and Sith are actually going with House of Torture. And then the DKC and Taguchi against just five guys, which we know won't be the main event. That's going to be the first match. Um, I'm going to say just five guys. Well, I'm lone wolf in this one because I'm going with DKC and Taguchi. But yeah, you would said both hit. You both were going with just five guys on this one. All right. So, uh, really quickly, these are the standings as they stand after uh, before we get into action on Monday. Uh, you, we have a lot of people at the top. Matter of fact, we have we have one one team leading by itself with uh, five teams right behind them. So. The unlikely team of El Desperado and Master Watto sit at four and one, eight points, and lead the entire World Tag League. The five teams that are currently at six points, three and two, are the Intergalactic Jet Setters, Ichiban Sweet Boys, Catch Two Two, War Dogs, and House of Torture. Lij and the team of Taguchi and DKC, along with Yo and Musashi, sit at four points. Doki and Takemichinoku, just five guys, sit at two points. So it is going to be a very interesting last four days. Uh, Sage, any final thoughts before we let you go? Yes, I do, and I have a question for you. 
Okay. Why Kojin would come out and challenge Eddie Kingston? Because I can't tell you that because then I'm spoiling something that you haven't seen yet. You see, you seem to have forgotten there was a number one contender's fatal four way with Kojima in it. Yeah. Why was he in a fatal four way? I don't know. Why man. is Kojima getting title shots in 2023? I don't know. No, 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 no. I figured he won it. I, re I remembered that there was a four way. I didn't watch it, but I remembered there was a four way. I remembered there was a number one contender. And when he came out, he spoiled it himself. So, why is why is Kojima requesting title shots? Okay, I'm gonna spoil it. He won the fatal four way, dude. I know this, but why is Kojima in these positions in 2023? That's my question. I'm tired of GBH, I'm tired of all these grandpa. Go sit down somewhere. No. By the way, by the way, in our Twitch chat, I want to say hello to Sunshine. Hi, Sunshine. Uh, no. I would have been. You could have put Chase Owens right there. That would have been great. He's not in Japan. Uh, hey, you gonna be in Texas? That's where you live. That was so fucking stupid. What? So, all right. So, for our audio listeners, there's gonna be a huge jump from what we were just talking, what we were talking about till now. Because what happened was, I'm literally sitting here minding my own business. I move my mouse, and next thing I know, my screen goes blue. It says something happened to my laptop, and it has to restart. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? So, if the, if it seems like a weird jump cut, yeah, because. For the last five plus minutes, it's been nothing but Sage over here arguing with Hector. And I'm like, I'm editing that out. <laughs> it's like, like, I'm editing that out. We're not keeping it. We're going to Twitch within the next couple of weeks. <laughs> Drop some 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 gems in there. Y'all are going on, y'all are gonna take a ride on the weekend review. And definitely, first of all, definitely go back and watch the main event of collision. That thing was fire. Yes. And yeah, true. uh Dragon League versus uh Dragon League versus Cedric Alexander was a really good match, too. Yeah, we'll get into so, all that in the week in review, and we're also gonna be talking about Bound for Glory here in just a minute. But yes. Sage, uh before we let you go, tell everybody how they can find you. I am on Instagram as I woke up as this guy named Sage. I am on TikTok, probably the same underscore. I am everywhere you want to find me as that, and I am definitely um, available. You can message me. I will respond. I'm not like these people that don't. <laughs> I will respond. But please stay in there. Hey, I saw you on the podcast because... You got some creeps on Instagram. <laughs> Social media, period. Some creeps. Yep. <laughs> and I am single for the ladies out there. 
just just want to put that. And with that, and with that, all right, Sage. All right, we'll talk to you later, man. All right. I bid y'all a day. Peace out. Enjoy. Peace out, bro. I appreciate you, man. Okay, he had he really had to do that. Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Anyway, that was Sage, our new Japan analyst. Uh, he will be back with us later this week to look to wrap up. We'll somewhat wrap up. We'll look back at the last four nights of block action and get to that, and then we will uh, we'll go from there. But that'll be later on this week. But now here on the podcast, which was running longer than it should. Uh, we are going to now talk about Bound for Glory. This pa- that took place last weekend. Uh, Bound for Glory was a very, very good event, I will say. Very, very good event. Yes. Uh, they did make the one bad mistake, though, of uh, taking their Impact Knockouts World Tag Team Championship match and putting on as a digital exclusive that went up on their on their YouTube channel instead of it being on the main card as it was originally. Uh, advertised so i get you know they always have the whole card subject to change kind of gimmick and everything like that i get it but i think that it was an awful decision on their part to make that change when there was a story behind it and it was advertised and then all of a sudden we're watching the pay-per-view and there's nothing so there you go Anyway, yeah. we're not going to get into all of that. We're just going to talk about the matches themselves and how and what went down on those. So, let's begin. Of course, we are like we are going to mention the uh, the Knockouts World Tag Team Title match because I did watch it, um, yeah. and it did. Uh, MK Ultra were able to retain their championships. They defeated uh, Masa. They defeated Diana Perez and Tasha Seals in six minutes and six seconds. Uh, so. Not only did they end up getting relegated to being a digital exclusive, but they barely got they they got a little over six minutes. So kind of sucks for them. Anyway. All right, we get to the main card and after because during the pre-show it was just the um it was just the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame inductions. So the pre-show the main show started off with Chris Sabin defending the X Division Championship against Kenta. Uh, Kenta was doing all this bad bad guy Bullet Club stuff that he he would do, but Sabin was able to get him with the clothesline from Hell's Hell, Michigan, and then the uh, Cradle Shock, uh, and then he was able to get the victory in eleven minutes and twenty eight seconds. Sith, what did you think about our opening contest? Holy crap. What a great way to open up the pay-per-view from a really good sentimental countdown show. These guys fucking tore the house down. And for those who either miss Kenta or don't know who he is, you saw what he was capable in the ring big time. And along with Saban, this was exactly what the doctor ordered for the opening match from the X Division. 11-28, match time. Yes, I really did. I really enjoyed uh, this opening contest. It was it was straightforward and simple, but effective. And I think that's what you need for a match of this cat of this type. And then we will have our monsters ball matchup. It went eleven minutes and nine seconds with PCO taking on Rhino Moose and Steve Macklin. And as you would expect, it was weapons galore. It was violence unlimited, and it was everything you could ask for for a monsters ball match. With PCO coming out the winner of this one uh, again, eleven minutes and nine seconds. The match time, Sith. Uh, what did you think about what is in what I've noticed from you? Your favorite impact uh, match type. Yeah, 
Now we go from a solid mix of science and heel work to absolute brutality here. Monsters Ball is a match that isn't for the weak of heart of all. This match delivered, you know, in the brutality and chaos at the end of the day. Yes, Macklin took the barbed wire covered table bump in a way that allowed him not to take the full impact on his back. But like what Champ said on the live stream, you do what's good for your future in the business. One would assume that he and Bully Ray, they're going to have their program over here. PCO winning was a really good feel-good moment here, to say the least. 11.09, your match time. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, you, all you expect from a match like this is just absolute violence. And we have got these uh, big guys, like uh, these bigger guys. It's not going to be a technical masterpiece, but it was really, really well done given its placement on the card. It was really good. And then we will see our, uh, we will see a title change. We will see a title change. The mm -hmm. only title change on the night, actually, <laughs> as uh, the Impact World Tag Team Championships were on the line. Team ABC, Chris Bay and Ace Austin took on the tag champions, the Rascals, Zachary Wentz and Trey Miguel. And uh, it would be Team ABC that would get the victory with the combination of the one, two, uh, the a easiest ABC and then one, two, three, the Art of Finesse in the Fold, 9 minutes, 49 seconds, and we have new tag champ Sith. What did you think about this one? I don't get why people didn't jot this down as a match that we needed, because these two teams have a habit of adding layers to their stories whenever they meet in the ring. This is the second straight impact event where the spray cane antics backfired on the Rascals. Maybe a sign that they might move away from that in due time. ABC winning... Gave a really good feel-good moment as they had to overcome a lot to get the W back as well as the Impact World Tag Team Championships back into their fold. 9.49, your match time. Yeah, and, um, you know, Brascals had a pretty good run with the tag titles. A lot of it was having to do with the shenanigans of the spray can and the cheating and everything, but they didn't have their friends, the good hands, to help them, so they ended up getting exposed. So there you go. Yep. All right, next up. And there's a reason why the podcast is titled the way it is, because there are a couple oh. matches on here that were these. This was an instant classic right here. 17 minutes of 58 seconds of just absolute artistry by the IWGP US slash UK champion, Will Ospreay and Mike Bailey. I'm just, wow. Sith, I'm going to open the floor to you. What did you think about this one? Look. This is easily one of the top 10 matches of the year. And as I look in up and down that list, champ, what is the common denominator in, I'd say, at least four, if not more of his matches of the year? Who's the common denominator? Will Ospreay. Thank you. This match was incredible. Osprey and Bailey tore the house down. And this was just fantastic it was an instant classic i wanted more of this on the rewatch because the back and forth the chemistry the amazement oh my god it was so fucking awesome 1758 your match time yeah i mean i don't know what else you could ask for from a match oh. like this i mean all the striking the technical ability the high flying i mean the emotion everything that you could ask for out of a matchup and in un under 20 minutes, uh, just absolutely amazing and definitely uh, a match of the year candidate for me, 
for me yeah at least so i got I, I i loved it a lot so definitely all right next up we would have the call your shot gauntlet the 20 person call your shot gauntlet where the winner would get uh a trophy and they could uh use it to go for any championship they want in the next year in impact wrestling and so which will here were the order game. Here were the order of entries for this event. We had uh, Jake something. He would be the first after losing in that match that happened, uh, that five-way match that happened a week or so ago on Impact. Uh, Then it would be Eddie Edwards, Kenny King. Then our first surprise, Juventus Guerrera. Uh, So, you know, the juice was loose. Then we would have Johnny Swinger, Giselle Shaw. Uh, Giselle Shaw's entrance would be upstage because Crazy Steve was being Crazy Steve and getting in there going after people. Uh, Jody Threat, Kylan King, then our second surprise, Sonny Kiss, uh, making hit their debut in Impact Wrestling. It was awesome. Bully Ray, then the other surprise, Matt Cardona. Uh, he would come in at number 11. Jordan Grace was number 12. Eric Young was 13. Joe Hendry was 14. Brian Myers was 15. Heath, 16. Frankie Kazarian, 17. Rich Swan, 18. Jonathan Gresham, 19. And of course, Dirty Dango would be the last one in and then would be eliminated pretty much in within five seconds. <laughs> So yeah, that's what that happened there. He got he got eliminated in five seconds, um, and so what it would come down to Bully Ray and Jordan Grace is the last two, and it would convert to a regular match. And Jordan Grace, showing why she's the juggernaut, was able to hit the Grace slash Juggernaut driver on Bully Ray and pin him, and he and she. Is now would become the call your shot gauntlet winner. She would get the trophy and then immediately invoke that she wants a shot at Hard to Kill for the Impact Knockouts World Championship. And so, Sith, what did you think about the call your shot gauntlet that went nearly 30 minutes? 28.56 was the match time. Look, this was another really good match that broke things out Major League at the end of the night. Although, honestly, I would have had this match on sooner for one reason. The crowd was a bit timid in the match that follows this, as well as the first part of the main event, because this match was just wild as fuck. And after having this and the Osprey Speedball Bailey match, etc., the crowd kind of got gassed out of it after this match. The close, having Bully Ray versus Jordan Grace was really well done. They had a really good back and forth as Jordan Grace wins, calls her shot at hard to kill. And We'll get to at the end of the show what happens at Hard to Kill, but twenty eight fifty six is your match time. Wow! Yeah, I did not expect Jordan Grace. Jordan Grace becomes the first knockout to make it that far in the four year history yep. of the Call Your Shot Gauntlet, and also becomes the first knockout to win the Call Your Shot Gauntlet ever in the four year history of this uh, of this match type. So. Congratulations to Jordan Gracious making history uh, left, right, and in between. To think that uh, earlier this year, it looked like she was done with Impact Wrestling after losing to Deanna Peraza for the 15 millionth time. Uh, but yeah. she now comes back and makes history and now will get a shot at the Knockouts World Championship at Hard to Kill in January. 
Uh, so we're going to move on from that, and we're going to talk about, uh, speaking of that Knockouts World Championship, Mickey James and Trinity went at it for that championship. And if you saw Mickey James' social media, she had the battle scars to prove she was in a war with Trinity. Uh, but the match would go uh, eleven, almost 12 minutes, 11 minutes and 59 seconds, and, the, and Trinity would get the submission victory on Mickey James to retain the championship. So, yeah, Sith, what did you think about our semi-main event? As I said, as well as Heretic Ninja in our chat, the crowd was gassed out after the Call Your Shot gauntlet. But these two friends put on a really good match overall. The action and storytelling was on point overall. And you had a good inning no matter what people will say. What this match told me, Mickey James for now is betting on herself, so time will tell what she does. Oh, and then HLA money shot? Hell yeah. 11.59 your match time. Yeah, I, I I was I was surprised that Trinity was retaining here because there would have been all kind of stories about her being on a short term contract and she might be moving on, but it looks like she's gonna be hanging around for a lot longer, uh, given the fact that she is went you know, retained the championship here. And now it looks like we're gonna get Trinity versus Jordan Grace right now for the knockouts world championship at uh hard to kill that's i would say that would be a great a really good matchup uh and then of course our main event alex shelley defending the impact world championship against josh alexander another really hard-hitting matchup and just absolutely uh well done by both guys i honestly thought josh was going to win back the championship that he never lost but no shelly was able to remain champion uh beating him by pinfall in what was a hard fought match uh what do you got to say about this one sith uh really solid main event that did a good job in subverting expectations as a lot of people thought that if alex shelly was going to retain it would be because of cheating because he was the heel in this matchup and this wasn't the case at all Josh's story about not having a pinfall loss in two years, <clears throat> excuse me, along with Shelly trying to prove to the people he's not a transitional champion, all of it really well done. And after the match, it was just absolutely great. 22-32, your match time. Yeah, no, this was a really great main event. I absolutely enjoyed it. And I think what also made the that event, main event as well, and, and the events and the event as a whole really good was the announcement that came right after the main event and that was that the original name of this promotion is returning they are going back to tna wrestling uh, uh, which was what they started with when they were in wa tna uh so they're re they're bringing it back for hark to kill uh sith what is your reaction to the return of tna okay I can understand why they're going back to the name, and I fully support it. The Impact Wrestling name was used to get rid of the TNA stink that was there because of a bunch of people who I will not start naming off that put the company into a tailspin from 2009 through about 2013 and got TNA to the point where they couldn't get a big important contract for a TV deal because what's now Paramount Network said, no, we've seen enough. We're getting out of the pro wrestling business for now. And so they've had to work their way and get that stink off of four to five years and work their way through it. And they've done a really good job of it. So while some people are complaining, oh God, it's a terrible move, I'm on board for it. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty excited for TNA. I did get to watch a lot of the TNA when it was TNA when they when it was on a network that uh, I, I that it was on that I could find. Uh, then I kind of lost it, and then that's when it underwent some of the, a lot of those changes of going from impact going from TNA to Impact, and then Global Force Wrestling, which was a failed attempt uh, at re- which was a failure in and of itself, and things like that. Now you know being Impact, but now going back to TNA. Uh, and thankful, thank, and this is a this is a thank God moment here. They are not bringing back the six sided ring. Thank God they're not bringing yes. that monstrosity back. Thank God. All right, Sith grades. What you got? Yeah, a lot of the former wrestlers, a lot of the retired wrestlers said, "Do not bring it back. It hurts their bodies." The only glaring mess back to the pay per view. The only glaring miss here is that Knockouts Tag Team Championship match that was taped before the show came to air and ended up on YouTube. And that was a good match, by the way. That left aside, Impact delivers once again. Osprey versus Bailey stole the show, match of the year candidate, as well as an instant classic. Shelly winning clean over Alexander in the main event was a pleasant surprise. That could be a top 10 match, sleeper for top 10 match of the year. Monsters Ball Call Your Shot delivered mayhem and really good surprises. When I look at this card overall, it is a B plus at the end of the day. The leaving off with the knockouts tag team match makes me feel a bit empty, as well as the fact that they fall into this trap every year at Bound for Glory. That if you have Call Your Shot and Monsters Ball on the same card, by the time you get to the two final matches, the crowd is completely gassed out, which is not good because you want your crowd to be involved for the entire night. So maybe next time, next year, maybe have Monsters Ball on another pay-per-view and not on Bound for Glory. But B-plus is my great champ. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it a B-plus as well. I just, I cannot forgive advertising a matchup and then using it recording it as a digital exclusive and not even giving them at least seven or eight minutes uh on youtube and stuff like that i just can't forgive that if they'd have put that match on and gave us some time i think this could have been at least a high b plus maybe an a Mm minus pay-per-view but i have to i have to give this a b plus everything else here delivered osprey and mike bailey over delivered and that's a pot yeah. in, in my way a positive uh thing to say about it that they over delivered on their matchup and then of course you know the big shock of jordan grace becoming the first knockout to ever win call your shot uh trinity and shelly both retaining and then uh saban retaining and only having one title change which is the tag title mat title uh change was a, a, a a unique thing in and of itself so uh, that's our our take on uh impact wrestling and their their pay-per-view uh i actually did really well in my picks i think i went one two three four i went five. four and four i went when five and three ultra on them yeah, I went five and three, including MK Ultra's victory. So I did pretty well on, on picks this week. So on this event, so thank God, thank fuck for that. One. Yeah, thank, thank God for that. Um, I'm good with me going four and four. Though that was pretty good. Could have been Absolutely. better, but on to the next pay per view though. Absolutely. <laughs> 
All right, Absolutely. now it's time. Now it's time for the weekend review, also known as Push or Bury, where we will take five different bits or ma- and or matches from each show this week, and we will give it a push, big push or mega push, depending on how much we liked it, or we give it a small push or leave it where it is if we thought it was meh, or we bury it if we thought it was absolute hot garbage. Uh, we will be talking about not only Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, which continue to build towards Crown Jewel, which is taking place this coming weekend uh, on uh, on Peacock. We will also be talking about uh, AEW as they are now building to continue to build towards full gear with Dynamite Rampage and Collision. <coughs> we will also be talking about Night One of Halloween Havoc for NXT. We will not be talking about Impact because Impact was a highlight show from Bound for Glory. So there's no point in us even mentioning Impact this week. That will be off the books. Pretty pretty, like simple and straightforward. But everything else is on the table. And then, of course, after those shows I just mentioned outside of Impact, you we I will read off the grades that were given by Bleacher Report. And Sith will go and have give his opinions and his uh, grades as well. Uh, so without any further ado, let's get this thing started and talk about Monday Night Raw. Uh, Monday Night Raw opened up with the segment involving the Judgment Day. Uh, the Judgment Day came out to gloat because they're now the tag champs again. But Cody Rose decided to interrupt them and ask them how they liked being interrupted before a whole melee, before a challenge was made for Cody versus Damian Priest at Crown Jewel. Then the fight, a whole ruckus broke out. Cody got injured by he, he and his hair, uh, his ankle smashed into a stairs with a chair twice with the help of Jordan Devlin. And now we're going to have the same tro- storyline trope of Cody Rose going into a PLE match with an injury. Uh, Sith, what did you think about our opening segment, Push or Barry? Uh, big push. Really good segment to open up Raw and set up a match with Crown Jewel with Cody versus Damian Priest all over back into trope yet again that we've seen time and time again Cody's injured going into a pay-per-view. I love this quote, though. At this point, your story's got to be that you failed. That was wild. Yeah, I'm going with a regular push bordering on a big push only because of the fact that I, you know, I can't get with the whole Cody going into a big match hurt uh, angle again. He did that with Brock Lesnar with the broken arm. I mean, it was it was fine the first time around, but now you're now you got a leg injury. Uh, I can't I can't get with that, but everything else is fine with it. So I'll give it a, a, a regular push. All right, yeah. next up we had tag team action. The Alpha Academy wanting uh, to show that they're a good tag team, but going up against one of the greatest tag teams of all time, the New Day. Uh, push or bury New Day versus the Alpha Academy. Uh, big push. These two teams really put on a hot match and kept the momentum going from the opening segment. That was pretty hot. New Day came out, and although they won, they allowed the Alpha Academy to shine in their stuff. Give it a big push. Big push for me as well. I mean, again, as someone who's a big fan of taxi wrestling, this was textbook uh, taxi wrestling at its finest, and I really did enjoy everything that I got from this. All right, next up, NXT Women's Championship match. Becky Lynch, the man, has come around, and she's defending against the lady who had to relinquish the championship after injuring her ankle and being called up to the main roster, Indy Hartwell. Uh, push or bury our NXT title match, women's title match. Ayo, Vince, how come we couldn't have Indy Hartwell showcased like this? 
never mind, just throwing some good shit here because this is how you should have women's wrestling presented for the fans. Strong match to continue to build for the match the following night on NXT. I give it a big push. Yeah, I'm definitely also on the big push bandwagon as, as well. Absolutely a fantastic match. I mean, Indy, Indy is, I used to be very, very soft on Indy Hartwell wrestling wise, but she kind of, I've kind of grown a little bit more respect for her and a little bit more admiration for her skills in this matchup. She really showed me something really good. And I mean, she had a really great dance partner. And, De- and Becky Lynch, and that's why I'm giving us a big push. Sammy yep. Zayn and Drew McIntyre had themselves a little bit of a one-on-one scrap. It was an interesting one at that, too. Push or bury Zayn versus Drew. I know I decried distraction finishes, but this one had a point to it. The match overall was a chef kiss, but just narrowly missing mega push. I really needed to match big time. It's magic you put on a pay-per-view. Big, bordering on mega. Yeah, same. Uh, big push, boarding on mega push. I gotta say, like these two really, really, really went to it. And you know, again, back going on Sith's point, if you're going to have a distraction finish, make sure it's a distraction finish that makes sense uh, in the grand right. scheme of things. And with Rhea doing providing that distraction, it made all the sense in the world, given the fact that Drew was caught on camera. Uh, converse, having a conversation with her and then you know, all this other stuff. So, I mean, this it made sense and it worked for the story. He It, 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 it was good. It was good. All right. Next up, finally, our main event. Main event, Jay Uso, who is over like Rover. He took on one half of the undisputed WWE Tag Champions and Senor Money in the Bank, Damian Priest. And it was a lot of wild crap that happened afterwards. Sith, with all yeah. of that in mind, the main event with everything push a berry. No, Michael Cole. Damian Priest is not a threat to cash in on the tribal cheap. Just cut it out already. That said, this was a fun main event. And even though it was a distraction finish at its purpose, Cody's selling the injury. We've got heroic Cody. I give it all a big push, but really, how many? Okay. The legit torn peck against Seth Rollins, the injured arm of against Lesnar, now the knee, I mean the ankle or leg, whatever. How many more times are we going to see heroic Cody in this build to finish the story? Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully this is the last time. I'm also giving it a big push. Uh, main Jay Uso really <laughs> is uh, showing why he is called main event Jay Uso. He shines in the main event. Damian Priest is once again uh, getting a big victory, uh, albeit with some assists. But it seems like he's on the. He, they were still on the back foot, and we'll see what happens. Uh, so yep. now, with that being said, it's now time for the grades from this week's uh, Monday Night Raw from Eric Beeston of Bleacher Report. Uh, so this will be the grades for the five things we mentioned, plus other things that happened on the night. So we begin with Judgment Day, the Judgment Day promo that included Cody Rose. That got a B. I give it a B plus, but I can see where Eric's coming from. Alpha Academy versus the New Day got a B plus. I give it a B plus as well. That was really awesome. 
NXT Women's Championship match, Becky Lynch versus Indy Hartwell. That guy also got a B plus. I agree with Eric B plus. The contract signer for the Fatal Five Way at Crown Jewel. This was a very unique contract signer too, by the way. It got a C plus. I give it a B minus. It was slightly better, but I love having Rhea Ripley being the puppet master of sorts because she's at a severe disadvantage in a five way going in Riyadh. Okay, so I got to ask this question. I want to ask the question of our Twitch chat as well because I really want to know everybody's opinion. Mm-hmm. Was this Nia Jack's best promo of her career or not? Nah? Hold on. Count to three, champ. One, two, three. It borders on it, yes. I was gonna say. I'm not saying it's the best, but it's in that ballpark. I was gonna, I was gonna say because there was a lot, and I, I agree with everything that I saw online. There were a lot of people, including experts, that said this was her best promo of her career. Mm-hmm. This is the best promo of her career because she wasn't monotone. She had, she had proper tone and everything. And like, it, I was like. You know what? You're right. Like this is one. She has not had a promo like this her entire fucking career. No. Like she finally f- breaks one out now. It's like wow. Why? What took you so long? Heck, Ninja said, "I don't care about Naya. Fuck Naya." Okay, fair enough. Okay. All right. Come on. Back she to the, the grades. You accepted. Back to the grades. <laughs> Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano versus Giovanni Vinci got a C plus. Uh, B minus. Logan Paul returns to Raw. That got an A. Reason why I didn't put this on. Reason why I didn't put this on the list was because it it was good, but I just didn't feel it was worthy enough to rate. Mm-mm. They got to stop piping in. The but they booze. gave it an A. They gave it an A. I'm giving it a B plus because they piped in the booze. These guys are natural dick heels. You don't need to pipe in the booze over the crowd. I mean, the crowd is already booing them out of the building without having the booze piped in. Come on, Trips. You got to do better than that. B plus. Yeah, and I, you know, of course, you know, Logan Paul will be focusing on Rey Mysterio. Why are you fucking with Samantha Irving? Like, that made zero sense to me. Anyway, Natalia and Nikki Cross against Piper Nevin and Chelsea Green. Gotta see. C plus. I think that Nikki Cross is going back to her sanity look, and I can dig it. Sami Zayn versus Drew McIntyre got a B plus. A minus. Come on, Eric. Akira Akira Sozawa versus Big Bronson Reed got a C plus. Uh, B minus. Come on. And then Jay Uso versus Damian Priest got a B. B plus. I still can't believe that the 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 the, the, the set the only that one of two in-ring talking segments was the only one that got an A grade on this night. That's crazy. All right. Overall grade. Quote, Raw. Yeah. 
continued his recent hot streak with an overarching story in the form of a scheming Rhea Ripley approaching several top names and attempting to induct them into the Judgment Day. Sprinkle in some solid in-ring work, logical storytelling, and the damnedest reaction to a heel this side of the 1980s, and you have a show that knows it has to build to Crown Jewel and did just that with mo most of Monday's creative. End quote. His final grade was a B plus. Okay, this was a Raw that honestly I think had a lot on there that was really, really good this week. You had a main event that brought a great crescendo peak. You had a contract signing that was pretty light. You had Rhea Ripley con conniving people backstage to join the Judgment Day. The mid-card shined as well. Everything, for the most part, had purpose at some point. And I didn't feel like it was a chore to sit through Raw this week. What a fucking concept. For all this week, it's a B plus, and hopefully we get this urgency Monday night, because Monday night is the go home to Crown Jewel. Yeah, I, I would be interested to see how they, how they approach uh, this coming Monday night with their being the go-home show and the day before Halloween. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's keep it moving. Speaking of Halloween, uh, we talk about NXT Halloween Havoc, night one of two, uh, which saw the main event be for the NXT champ Women's Championship. Uh, Becky Lynch against Laura, Laura, Laura Valkyrie. Valkyria, easy for me to say. Uh, but we opened up with uh, we opened up with a very unique matchup that was brought up by the wheel. Spin the wheel, make the deal. It was a devil's playground match. Roxanne Perez against Kiana James, where they had an actual playground there, and there was all kind of stuff there. It was, it was funny. Uh, Pusher Berry, the devil's playground match between Roxanne Perez and Kiana James. I love you, Hector. I'm sorry. This was a really good worked match that I both women to show off what they've done in developmental. Sure, Roxy was a Ring of Honor Women's Champion, but she has adapted to WWE's way of doing things. Kind of James look good as well. I grew to push bordering on big push. Yeah, I'm going the same. I definitely got to go push border on a big push. As good as the in ring work was, it was it was quite hokey. It's a devil's playground match, and you have a literal play, playground that's like decorated and stuff like that. Like I was, I could have done without all of that. If you're going to call it a devil's playground, like a foam sponge, huh? A brick that looks like a foam sponge. Sponge, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that was that was a little too hokey for me, bro. I can't I can't even <laughs> lie to you. All right, so I decided to put both the both semifinal matches for the women's breakout tournament together. So putting them together, Seth, do you push or bury them? Okay, so it'd be Kalani Jordan, uh, Ariana Kalani Jordan versus Ariana Grace was one oh, semifinal. Yeah. The other semifinal was. Lola Vice and Carmen Petro, uh, Petrovic. Remember last week when I told you that it was 50-50, that one match was good, the other was trash? Here you go. Kalani Jordan, Ariana Grace, good match. That gets a push, be my, a push. But Lola Vice versus Carmen Petrovic? Fuck me. I, I like that both women are experienced in the martial arts, but this was really a match that never got out of first gear for me. I love that where it is. Combine it together, give it a push, bordering on small push. 
Yeah, I'm also going to give uh, both of them a, a, a just a regular push. They, you know, one was right there where it was pretty good. The other one was just there. So I just mm. give it a push for yeah. both of them. And we're going to get uh, Lola Vice versus Kaylani Jordan in the finals uh, uh, this coming week for NXT Halloween Havoc Night 2. So hopefully we'll see a, a good match out of these two come uh, this coming Tuesday. All right, next up. So next up, we had ourselves a NXT tactic title match. The family defending against Chase U, and in a surprise, even though there was some slight help in there, Chase yeah. U become the new tag team champions. Push or bury the NXT tag team championship match. Good chucking twist to have Chase U become tag team champions. The match was good, and especially down the stretch. But in story with JC Jane trying to up and chase you this was a good way to add more layers to that story push bordering big push bordering on mega push definitely one of the matches you need to see from this week on nxt yeah definitely a big push not just because the match quality but the surprise that chase you wins the match yes jc jane had something to do with that but not to not directly uh, something in, uh, not yeah. directly involved, you know, like you would expect from her. So I think that's what made it even better. And so I'm giving it a big push as well. All right. Next up, we would have the lights out match between Blair Davenport and Gigi Dolan. And again, they got way too hokey for me. They literally had the lights out for this one though i think that's what they used to do back in the days they would have the lights out for lights out matches i think i don't know uh but push a berry sith this match was not really all that good last year we had a better hardcore matchup with wendy chu and tiffany stratton with the lights out match as well as the opening match for this week i'm leaving it where it is and it's a major letdown given that i'm a fan of davenport and i want Gigi dolan to get the shine i want her to get the shine but she is just stuck in traction here. Oh, yeah, I gotta leave it where it is as well. I mean, <laughs> uh, again, not only you know the hokiness of having the lights out, but just uh, it just you know they they had a better they had a better match when they when it was no when the rules in place they had a better match. Yeah. So I definitely have to go with that as well. You know, definitely, definitely, definitely. Anyway, uh, next let's keep it moving. And let's talk about the main event, Lyra Valkyria versus Becky Lynch for the NXT Women's Championship, which saw uh, not only the victory for Lyra Valkyria, but we also had a guest appearance from none other than Jay Cargill, who had her own throne and was sitting down watching uh, Push or Bury, our main event. Uh, make a push easily. This was a masterclass matchup and really a solid way to close out the show for NXT Halloween Havoc Night 1. Both women looked great. Valkyria went over in a good surprise. And overall, this is a match you should seek out. I think that I think that you know I think they're really overhyping Jay Cargill. I'm just gonna put that out there. So they got they been, they gotta be careful with that. They gotta be very careful with that. Uh but either way. I, all I can say about this is that this gets my first mega push of the week. Yes. I mean, absolutely fantastic job. And also absolutely great that, you know, Laura Valkyria is going to be given the, the chance to be the face and be, and be able to 
run with the with the football uh, for the NXT Women's Division. And I think that you know they already had a story with her and Beck, her idolizing and Becky, and then for her to beat her idol and things like that. I think this is pretty awesome, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And I think and I think that she's not the the moment's not lost on her as we saw in a digital exclusive the moment's not lost on her about how you know about this so i think that this is this is a great move great move yep all right the grades courtesy of bleach report come to us from kevin burge of bleacher report and we begin with the devil the devil's playground match between roxanne perez and kiana james he gave it a b i agree b Lexi Lexus King's debut against Dante Chen got a C. I give it a C plus. It was a really good presentation for him. Women's breakout tournament: Kaylani Jordan versus Ariana Grace got a C plus. B minus. NXT Tag Team Championship: The Family versus Chase U got a got an A. A minus. Lights out match Blair Davenport versus Gigi Dolan that got a D plus. I give it a D. All right, next uh, women's breakout tournament: Lola Vice versus Carmen Petro- Petrovic got a D. I agree, D. In an NXT Women's Championship match, Becky Lynch versus Lyra Valkyria got an A plus. Oh yeah, A plus easily. And in the overall show, he says as follows: "Quote: Halloween Havoc Night One felt like an emphatic statement. After relying a bit too heavy on main roster stars recently, Tuesday's show put the focus back on the talented roster." It delivered shocking title changes, fantastic in-ring action, and a di- and direction to the future that continue to show showcase the longevity of the gold brand. While this wasn't a perfect show, it was one of the most exciting ones NXT has produced. In part, in particular, it highlighted the women's division in a way no other WWE show has in years. The majority of the airtime for the night was driven by a respect for a growing women's roster that is arguably outshining the men's as of late. Even without Becky Lynch, that should only continue. Sprinkle in a welcome NXT Tag Team Championship change for good measure. Chase U has finally made it, and hopefully Duke Hudson and Andre Chase get time to deliver as title holders. Night 2 has a tough act to follow, even with an exciting rematch of Carmelo Hayes versus Ilya Dragunov. Night 1 has earned Shawn Michaels and the booking crew some well, some deserved trust for what is to come, end quote. His overall grade was an A. I can't be that generous. This was the start of first two weeks of two weeks of Halloween Havoc, and overall, when you take away the breakout matches, this is a show that balances out easily enough. However, I go into this coming Tuesday hoping that somehow, some way, the successes from night one will help out night two. Please remember, Gold Rush night one was really, really good, as this show was, but night two, that shit the bed terribly. I give NXT a B-plus this week, 
Go check it out for like the tag team matchup with the family versus Chase. You go check it out for your main event match. Go check it out for those matches. You won't be sorry. All right. Let's talk about AEW Dynamite now. Dynamite uh, opened up with the Dynamite Diamond Ring uh, battle between MJF and Juice Robinson. And then there was a lot of shenanigans that happened afterwards. I'm not even going <laughs> to na- name everything that happened. Just a lot of shit happened. Uh, so push or bury all of that. I, I give this all a big push bordering on Mech. On Mega, look, it was a fun match that you had when you had Jay White showing up with the AW World Championship because that had more layers to the story. And post match, boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Usually, I'm a bitch about a segment going all over the place, but they put a lot of things into place and even set the table for what would be our main event last night Kitty Omega and JF. Yeah, big push. The match itself was really good. Juice Robinson is an underrated talent. I don't think people understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been following him since his days when he was flamboyant, Juice Robinson, before he became the straight bullet. And he was always talented. You know, he had his time in WWE with the NXT. Uh, but now, you know, he then he bet he left WWE, bet on himself, went through the New Japan Jojo, went through the Dojo system, and now has proven to be one of the best talents in the world. So I definitely got to give props to the man. And uh, what he's done, but MJF is definitely on another level as well. All right, next up, Hook and RVD were in tag team action. They took on John Silver and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order. Sith, push or bury? Uh, look, can we fucking stop with the making the reps look fucking stupid? Really, it's an AW trip that has to go. Good match overall. Give it a push. Uh. I just, I just got to be honest. Like, I think RVD is on borrowed time as a wrestler. Yeah. I can just tell just by the way he, he he performs and stuff like that. He's on borrowed time. Uh, clearly, he's not wrestling full time, but I, I don't know. Either way, I think that I give this a push. This is a nice matchup, and I, I, I really enjoyed it. All right, next up, Ruby Soho, Ruby, Ruby, Ruby Soho, challenged Hikaru Shida for the AEW Women's World Championship. Uh, push or bury our championship match? Look, oh, there's that, I suppose, the token women's match of the night, but at least after the match, we had what's coming for Shida down the pike at full gear. I give it a push, but it could have been better. Yeah, what they're doing with Tony Storm is absolutely just, it's absolutely really well done, honestly. I think they're really doing something yeah. good with her now. And I, 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 I dig it. I give this a push as well. Again, this is your token women's match. Uh, and it was fairly, it was a fairly nice matchup. And, you know, she, I really like Sheeta as champion, honestly. All right, next up. We had our Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Championship match. The Elite defending against the Hardys and Brother Zay. Oh, yeah. Uh, who, yeah. What did you think? About, oh, but then what happened after the match should have got your attention. Push or bury? Ooh, six-man tag? Everything. Ooh. I'd give it all a good put, uh, big push. It was really, really entertaining, to say the least. But I have to wonder what is going to happen next week. 
<clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm also going big push. I really, 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 really I really liked it. I really liked the match, but what I really liked was afterwards swerve in that man's house. Yes. I mean, sometimes doing that kind of those kind of promos can be hit or miss. This was definitely a hit. It was like a home run. This was really good. I enjoyed it. So definitely big push. Uh, and then finally, our main event, uh, Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli of the Blackpool Combat Club taking on the international champion Orange Cassidy and Kazuchika Okada, who still gets a big pop in the United States. Push or bury our main event. And what if you want to add, if you want to include what happened afterwards, that's on you. But yeah, a uh, big bordering on Mega. It was all really a lot of fun with a surprise ending that I didn't like, but it served a purpose. Good hard hitting match to say the least. And yeah, Okada was taunting Danielson a bit, and that's understandable. So give it a big push bordering on Mega Push. Yeah, I think that, like I said, the confusion of whether Danielson was really injured really made the ending, like everything that happened after, feel so awkward with, you know, best friends and everybody comforting Orange Cassidy. Uh, Okada just standing over top of him, over top of him, taunting the Blackpool Combat Club out there, and no one knows what the hell's going on. So I think all of that, you know, all of that aside, I think this is all good. So I give it a big push as well. Now for the grades for this week's uh, AEW Dynamite has uh, come to us on Bleach Report from Doc Chris Mueller. So you your favorite guy. Followed on Twitter. Good dude. Nice. Dynamite Diamond Ring Match: MJF versus juice robinson that got a b i give it a b plus all right next up hooking rvd versus the dark order that got a c plus uh b minus but i agree with you rvd's on very much borrowed time uh the hardy party versus the hung bucks for the ring of honor six-man tag titles that got a C plus. I give it a B plus because of what happened after the match with you know going into Swerve, going into Page's house, Hangman Page's house. I'm like, oh shit! But the match itself, I give it a B minus. Hikaru Shida versus Ruby Soho for the women's world title. That got a C. I agree. C. Oh lord. But hey, we got in the post match, we had a full screen version of Tony Storm. Who knew? And how about the fact that fucking Luther is now her butler? That's crazy. <laughs> I guess they needed something for I guess they needed something for his ass to do. All right, and a Blackpool Combat Club versus Sars Cassidy Kazuchika Okada got an A minus. I give it an A minus as well. Yeah. And uh, the final word from Dr. Chris Mueller is as follows, quote, this week's Dynamite had peaks and valleys, but the peaks were definitely more memorable. Building up the segment with Sting as something special, only to have it be a Ric Flair cameo was a bit deflating, but Christian Cage saved it in the end. AEW booked it, book in the show with the best matches. Robinson and MJF put on a fun performance, and the main event gave us the Dynamite debut of Okada. Even though the action is usually the highlight of on any pro wrestling show, the character work being done by Storm has been some of the most entertaining stuff AEW has done in a long time. All 
all in all, this week's show won't stand out in the history of Dynamite too much, but it was a no. solid episode when everything is averaged out. End quote. His final grade was a B minus. Okay, this wasn't AEW's best episode of Dynamite, but it was still a doozy overall. It felt like most Dynamite shows cram-packed and doing way too much at times as it feels like an AEW pay-per-view. Okay, so we're going to get Tony Storm versus Hikaru Shida, but having the Tony Storm short films via picture-in-picture does her no favors at all. Having Ric Flair come out, Tony, after what you said about Vince fucking McMahon, a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, you're bringing out Ric Flair. Do you not recall why you didn't bring him in two years ago, you fucking idiot? Ugh. Look, most of the show, though, is worth watching, all my complaints aside. I give Dynamite a B this week, but it could have been a lot better. Yeah, I was going to say, man, Tony Khan's a hypocrite. That's all I was say about that. Tony Khan's a hypocrite. And Sean Ross Sapp called him out on it, and people were trying to go after him. And I'm like, where's the lie? <laughs> Either way. Anyway, we're yeah. moving on, and we're going to be talking about SmackDown now, because, again, this week's Impact was a yeah. uh, highlight show from uh, Bound for Glory, so we're not. there's nothing to push or bury on there. Though they, I did see a comment on uh on their youtube on the on the on the youtube video i saw a comment that said i feel bad for the people that pay for this when they basically give it away for free on tv (laughs) yeah i said oh that's a whole mood right now bro because i paid for that fucking pay-per-view and then they pretty much put some of the best and they put and they put some of the best matches on for free on impact on access tv i'm like all right i was like fuck you guys like fuck you guys like dead ass fuck you guys Anyway, SmackDown, we opened up with the contract signing for the undisputed <laughs> WWE Universal Championship match where L.A. Knight absolutely just shit on the Tribal Chief. Yes. He absolutely shit on him. Uh, push or bury our opening segment. Look, let's get this out of the way. Mob Boss Roman either opens or closes the show. It has to be that way. Solid contract signing that allowed L.A. Knight, yeah, to go over big verbally and set up the main event as well. Roman is going to win, but this gave us hope. Big push bordering on mega push. I like the fact that man's literally walk like Roman's yes. doing his 15-minute entrance. And just as he's get, putting up the belt, all you hear is L.A. Boom. And then he just walks out, didn't even look at Roman, just kept walking. Like he walked past him like he was a visitor, just walked past him. And then not only did he walk past him, but then he sat at the head of the table and just talked this shit. He talked this talk. This definitely gets a, a big push for me, close to a mega push. Uh, I thought it was really, I thought it was really well done, but not over the top. I think it was simple, but really, really entertaining. Uh, the LWO were in action. Santos Escobar and Carlito. It was supposed to be Rey Mysterio, but it was they, they replaced it with Carlito. They took on the Street Profits. Push or bury this tag match? I look. This was a fun match. It showed more dissension between Santos Escobar and the LWO. I know some people frown upon it, but at some point we're getting Santos versus Rey and or Carlito soon enough. Really good match here. Give it a bit push. Uh, 
barely a big push for me only because of the fact that uh they got distracted by logan paul coming in and sucker yeah. punch gray uh but it, it, it's really causing the, the profits to really grow his heels and really take advantage of those situations and i think that was what what really counts here so i'll give it a big push uh next up we gotta talk about the promo that john cena had in the ring it was very unique and also uh you know was off the heels of learning that he's facing Solo Sokoa at Crown Jewel. What did you think about this one where he had also had, was, work, was speaking with Paul Heyman, Pusha Berry? Champ, for the sake of content, you got to give this a mega push for God's sake. It's John fucking Cena, and he put the match over with Solo, as did Heyman, and it closed out with a fucking Irange into Samoan Spike. God damn, that was awesome. Spinning solo and the, sp the spinning solo Uranagi and the Samoan Spike, all good, all good things. But I think the interaction between John Cena and, and Paul Heyman alone is what makes this my second mega push of the week. Damn, I mean, I just that, that, that interaction alone was just absolutely awesome. And then you add in the stuff with uh, with Solo getting the upper hand on John Cena. And we got to remember that uh, the whole thing that Cena said yes uh, last week about him not having won a singles match on TV in some years. So that's going to be the prevailing storyline moving forward is that. Next up, we had ourselves a, a, a special singles match. Dragon Lee, who's now on the main roster on SmackDown, taking on Cedric Alexander, who finally got uh, got a reprieve from being on main event. And not in, I, I think everybody got to see why he should be not be just on main event. Uh, Pusha Berry, Dragon Lee versus Cedric Alexander. Wow. You can tell that a 78-year-old serial sexual harasser isn't booking creative. Cedric Alexander and Dragon Lee both shined here big time. We need more matches like this for both men, please. And thank you, Big Push. Yeah, Big Push as well. Again, now you're seeing why said Alexander should be on Raw or SmackDown, he shouldn't be on main on fucking main event. He's actually yeah. a, an extremely talented wrestler who can actually go. And him and, and Dragon Lee put on a banger. Uh, finally, L.A. Knight taking on Jimmy Uso. Who you got in this main? What you got to say about this main event? Pusher Barry. Yeah, this was a solid closing main event that had one job finish, which should be to build for the main event next Saturday afternoon. It gives us a slight bit of hope, but the flip side of the coin is that in the reality, Roman is retaining. Give it a big push, bordering on a mega push. Big push for me as well. Uh, also, I just I like the fact that not only did he get a victory, but then when Roman tried to get involved, he laid Roman out. So it's like giving everybody this hope that, oh, maybe he can do it. Maybe he can uh, beat yeah. Roman. He's not, but you got that the, the impression that he could do it. Uh, so that's mm -hmm. why I give this a big push as well. Grades for SmackDown once again uh, from Bleach Report, and it's once again Eric Beeston uh, back at it again. And here are his grades for the show. First off, Roman Reigns and L.A. Knight signed the contract for Crown Jewel. That got an A. I give it an A-, just a slight bit under an A. 
Uh, Carlito and Santos Escobar versus the Street Profits. That got to be B+. Plus. Shotzi versus Chelsea Green. Uh, that got a C. That ain't it, Chief. C-. minus. John Cena promo on Solo Sikoa. That got a B+. Plus. <laughs> it's an A. Oh, my God. Dragon Lee versus Cedric Alexander get a B plus. I agree, B plus. Bianca Belair promo that got an A. I give it an A minus, but I can understand why the crowd was flat. Look at the booking of the women's division, but it was a solid promo. Then, yeah, yeah. I you know first promo back. She hadn't been here for a while. They, they kind of like they were yeah. they weren't too into it. L.A. Knight versus Jimmy Uso in the main event got a B plus. A minus. All right. And the overall grade is as follows. Quote, on a night when WWE needed to continue to build the crown jewel on November 4th, it succeeded big time. The work of night aside, this show highlighted the main event, added heat to John Cena versus Solo Sikoa, introduced Belair's challenge to EO Sky for a title bout, and added the latest between Rey Mysterio and Logan Paul. It was a show that surrounded those key segments with a match between Dragon Lee and Cedric Alexander, gave us a big win for Shotzi just days before Halloween Havoc, and continued to slow build towards a divorce between the LWO and Santos Escobar. This show rocked hard, end quote. Final grade was a was an A. Okay, with the exception of Shotzi versus Chelsea Green, everything here was just a banger start to finish for SmackDown. The fans the other night you saw the taping live got a two-for-one deal because they got to see SmackDown live for next week along with this one because by the time SmackDown airs next Friday night, everyone will be in Riyadh that has to be there. Um, this was a solid buildup for what should be a fun pay-per-view next Saturday afternoon. I don't see how this episode gets anything more than an A-minus for a final grade here. More shows like this leading into a PLE, please, and thank you. Very well. All right. Let's talk about Rampage. Let's talk about Rampage. Uh, all right, Rampage. We opened up with a heated rivalry that was subtly made into a no-disqualification, no-count-out match. Mike Santana versus Ortiz. Push or bury this opening contest. For two guys who have had a major falling out in real life, they really did a solid job in putting on a solid opening match that allowed for more story building between these guys. I give it a big push. Um, yeah, definitely big push. Like you could tell that like they were they they kept it somewhat professional, but you could tell with the way they were hitting each other, they don't like each other at all. Uh, but yeah. they kept it professional and they made it into a very very good match and um i gotta give it a big push it was a great way to open all right we had ourselves a very unique in-ring segment kip sabian who by the way they were in their they were in philly for for rampage and for uh uh rampage and for dynamite mind you kip sabian lives in philadelphia i yes. know this because i used to watch his streams on a regular back during the pandemic yet he felt the need to tear down Philly before Mark Briscoe came out and chased his monkey ass away. <laughs> the Kip Sabian Mark Briscoe segment, Pusher Berry. Ayo, Kip, calm down, my guy. You don't want the smoke for Mark Briscoe, or maybe you do. Push bordering on the big push. 
yeah i'm i'm with the push as well um i thought it was entertaining yeah it was good it was it was good it was good fill but it was clearly filler uh but it was it was very entertaining all right so there was another segment on this show that was very very unique and it had to do with the cbs champion chris statlander willow nightingale and sky blue it seems like sky blue continues to descend into that dark place push or bury this backstage segment uh, i give it a push it was a it was fine it my problem is that except for a few select people aw doesn't treat their women rights although they're doing good with sky blue right now six months from now where the fuck is she gonna be no. Yeah, I give it a push. I give it a push as well, but I just I just like that the the, the slow decline of, yeah. of Sky Blue and then Willow Nightingale who's somewhat going through a decline but still maintaining that positive part of her. I like the balance there and I like the fact that Stats trying to like find out what's going on cuz she considers them friends. So I like that little storyline yeah. there. So there you go. And then later on they will be involved Nightingale and Blue would be in a fatal four-way match to determine a number one contender for the AEW Women's World mm-hmm. Championship at Collision and holy crap there's an Abaddon sighting. How long has it been? And not only was it an Abaddon sighting, but she won. Push a barrier our fatal four-way Great to have my living dead girl back as Abaddon is back. Here's hoping they actually have something in mind to do after what Abaddon had against Sheeta this past week. All in all, good shit. Give it a push. Yeah, it's a push bordering on a big push only because of the fact that the in-ring mm-hmm. action was fair, but the fact that Abaddon was not only in the match and won it gives it to be a, a close to a big push, but not quite. Because like I said, some of the in-ring acts was a little bit off a little bit. You can tell that they don't work together that often, and then Abaddon hasn't been around in a while, so that kind of was something. So there you go. All right, our main event saw Kyle Fletcher of the United Empire take it on the... Oh, the alpha of the family, Kanosuke Takeshita, push or bury our main event. Plus, what happened after, by the way? Uh, big push bordering on mega push. Awesome main event between two skilled wrestlers, to say the least. They tore the house down. It was just absolutely poetry in motion. And then Callis won't have to wait long for his tag team. You get Fletcher. Okay, then when Mark Davis comes back off of injury, have Aussie open as his tag team. Yeah, also going with Big Push as well. I mean, this was a fantastic main event. Afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, it seemed like Kyle Fletcher didn't want to have nothing to do with the family. He attacked both uh, Hobbs and Takeshi with chairs. Callis stopped them and then made him realize, like, hey, you are part of this family because look at you. Um, and stuff like that. So, you know, the, the manipulative gaslighting of Don Callis strikes again, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. All right. Late, all right. Now it's time for grades from Bleacher Report. And once again, our guy, Doc Chris Mueller, is the guy to uh, provide the grades for this week for mm-hmm. Rampage. Uh, and we start with Santana versus Ortiz. Mike Santana versus Ortiz. That got a B. Plus. I agree. B. Plus. That was a really good match. Sky Blue versus Willow Nightingale versus Anna J versus Abaddon. That fatal four-way match got a B minus. 
I agree. B minus Abaddon's my girl. Ah. All right. Kanosuke Takeshi versus Kyle Fletcher in the main event. That got no grade. Interesting. I'd give it an A minus. Yeah, I would, I would probably give it an, uh, an A minus as well. It was really, really good. Uh, and then the final word from Dr. Mueller is as follows quote, Some episodes of Rampage can feel like they are mostly filler, but this week's show made sure every segment advanced an ongoing storyline. Mm-hmm. Ortiz and Santana opened the show with a physical bout that didn't come close to ending their story, but moved it forward in the right direction. The fatal four-way bout had a genuinely surprising outcome with Abaddon getting the win, but it also helped make the story with Willow and Sky more interesting. Ending the show with Don, with Callis recruiting an angry Fletcher, possibly joining the Don Callis family, was a good way to wrap things up. All in all, this was a this was a strong episode of Rampage than we have seen in months. In quote, he gives it a B plus. This was one of the best Rampage episodes ever in the show's existence. Everything flowed well. All three matches had a purpose. The promo segments, they all had purpose as well. Note to Tony Khan and company, job well done. You guys did a great job in getting this episode together, and it shows. More shows like this, please. And thank you, Rampage this week. B+. Plus. Very nice. Very nice. And then finally, we have Collision. Yes. Collision, collision, collision. And Collision opened up with a very nice singles match of A.R. Fox taking on the leader of the Bang Bang Gang, the leader of Bullet Club, Gold Switchblade, Jay White, Push, or Barry Sith. A big push. Look, this was good to have not only A.R. Fox on TV, and that's a good thing, my friends, but there was no chance that he was beating the Switchblade as Switchblade's headed to full gear against MJF. But give it a big push. Yeah, I, I agree with a big push as well. I think that, you know, the one chance we get to see AR Fox on TV, I think, you know, it's great to see because he's such a good uh, professional wrestler. I just think it's absolutely, I think it's absolutely weird, though, that he's suddenly uh, separated from the whole Nick Wayne and uh, yeah. Darby Allen, that situation. I'm, it's just crazy that he's suddenly disconnected from that and just jumps into a match with Jay White, but it is what it is. All right, yeah. right after that matchup, we will have a short matchup with the guns taking on Dalton Castle's boys. Push or bury? Wow. So this is how we treat former Ring of Honor six-man tag team champions? Okay. Throwing them to the guns like this for a squash isn't exactly good booking. Push, but Tony Khan, do better. Yeah, I got to go push as well. I mean... Yeah, pretty much. All right, next up, we would see Abaddon, who won that fatal four-way the night before, taking on Hikaru Shida in a in a uh, what the hell did they call this some this some bitch match? Hang on, I, I can't remember. A fright night, no. a fright night fight. Basically, it's a Halloween theme. It was a Halloween theme hardcore match. Basically, no, is what it was. That's what it was. That's all it was. Yeah. All right. Well. By the way, I would play the stat of the day thing, but when I got when I restarted, it unshared the the the, the player, and I don't feel like loading it back up to reload the sounds on it. So just pretend in your head that there's stat of the day. I may even edit it in for the audio people. I don't know, but cool. Abaddon in her career in AEW has only had four losses on her belt. 
Mm. All four losses have been to Hikaru Shida. Mm. There you go. Hikaru Shida has been the only person to beat Abaddon in Abaddon's AEW career. The, the fourth being on this night on Collision. Pusher Barry. Look, thank you, Hikaru Shida, for allowing Abaddon to get some shine here. These two ladies took full advantage of the time allotted to give us a really cool, hardcore-themed match. Big push, and not because I would think we're Abaddon outside of her makeup. Yeah, big push as well. Like I say it's crazy to think that Abaddon's only had four losses in AEW, and they've all been to the same person being Hikaru Shida. Yeah. That's unbelievable to think. Next... Dax Harwood was one on we had one-on-one action. He went up against one half of the AEW World Tag Team Champions, Absolute Rick and Stocks, Push or Barry. Oh, this is what we needed here big time. It was a banger. Both guys brought the heat and smoke. You had two guys that knew they could bring into a match together. It meshed. And after the match, one, two, House of Black is coming for you. Three, four. For better lock your door. <laughs> I'm going with I'm actually going I'm going with a big push on this one. I like the I like the twist that LFI is now on the side on the on the right side of things instead yeah. of the wrong side of things. That makes for a very interesting uh dynamic and things like that. But I think I'm going I'm going with a big push. I like the match itself was great, but the post match really had me uh intrigued. Hmm. All right. Next, finally, we have our main event, oh, MJF defending the AEW World Championship against Kenny by God Omega. Mm-hmm. For content six, Seth, push or bury? Mega push. Look, Kenny Omega has been involved in two of the top ten matches of the year so far. This could easily get into there as well. This was everything but it was hyped up to be. I know a lot of people, including myself, to cry having pay-per-view matches on basic cable, but this was amazing start to finish. And you learned in the, and you get reminded in the post match that MJF is a wanted man by a lot of people. Mega fucking push. Uh, okay. So uh, there was a lot of conjecture and a lot of criticism online about how they could give this match away for free with very little build like they the match came out of nowhere on a wednesday and then on a saturday night we're having the match there was a lot of people that were not about that life they didn't uh, they didn't like it they didn't they weren't fans of it i get it you know a match like this should be on a pay-per-view but god damn am i glad it got it was on free tv god damn i didn't have to pay 60 dollars to watch this fucking match here that's why this match gets my third mega push of the week. I mean, come on, guys. Like these two guys absolutely went at it. And it was a it was just it was fantastic. It was fan fucking fantastic. Yeah. I also like the element of still having uh, uh, Samoa Joe sniffing around saying he'll be his friend yeah. for a title shot and all this. That's great. But everything else, this was just absolutely fantastic. That's all I can say about that. It was fantastic. All right. Bleacher reports Doc Chris Mueller back at it again for the grades for collision for this week. 
And we begin with Jay White versus AR Fox, who he gave this a B. B plus. The Guns versus the Boys, and then Hikaru Shida versus Avadon for the women's title. Guns versus the Boys got an incomplete. C. And then Hikaru Shida versus Avadon got a B. B plus. Samoa Joe versus Rhett Titus for the Ari's World TV title, and then Ricky Starks versus Dax Harwood. The TV title match got incomplete because Joe absolutely just steamrolled him. <laughs> what is this? AEW Dark? C. <laughs> yeah, I remember that time they had like 15 million squash matches on the show on an episode of Dark. It was like, what the fuck? Uh, and then Ricky Starks uh, beating Dax Harwood got a B plus five, five, six. Grab your crucifix. Seven, eight. Let me stop. Uh, B plus. <laughs> and then Claudio Castagnoli versus Tracy Williams. And then our main event, uh, Claudio's match got incomplete because it was another squash. They had three squashes on this fucking show, dude. Three of them. Three. Three. And all of them get C's. And the, the main, main event, event got an A. Bruh. A plus. All right. And the final word from Doc Chris is as follows. Quote, this week's collision was mostly business as usual, but the main event between MJF and Omega helped elevate this episode above the norm. Having MJF shake hands with both the ref and Omega to end the show really helped cement him as a babyface and gave the show a great sign-off moment. The other big highlights were Sheeta versus Abaddon and Starks versus Harwood. The squash matches we got helped fill time, but the three bouts mentioned above are the ones people will be talking about. With so many challengers still waiting in the wings, MJF's raid as champion is still very much in jeopardy. In quote, his final grade was an A minus. Okay, this week's collision was all about a huge main event to say the least. You had Sheeta versus Abaddon, you had Dax versus Starks, AR Fox versus Jay White. They were all fun matches that you should seek out. You had backstage promo segments that meant something as well about the only downfall were the squash matches as I was thinking I was watching AEW Dark at those points in time. Overall, Really good outing for Collision, a minus on the strength of four really good matches, including an outstanding main event that could very well be top 10 match of the year contender. Uh, very nice, very nice. All right, so that's it for your weekend review for this week. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed it. It is now time for Final Thoughts. It is the segment of the show where we give our thoughts on things wrestling-related or non-wrestling-related and plug podcasts that we have upcoming. And, of course, we start off with Sif. So, Sif, you know what to do. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Hope everyone's enjoyed the show so far. Okay, so in January of next year, Impact is rebranding, rebranding itself back to TNA Impact, or TNA, and I can't be any more excited for this. Sure, this week, past weekend, Impact fucked up with advertising a match for Bound for Glory, then putting it on YouTube, but this rebranding is something to get excited about here big time. Sure, some people are already getting their expectations through the roof, but... What I'm hoping for a few things is this reboot as we go back to retro 2000s field, if you will. 
So I'm going to let you know about two things that I think should be considered as TNA comes back to every good stretch of getting that stink off when a group of people flush a company down the fucking drain. What should not happen, and I know people will be upset, the six-sided ring needs to be kept in storage because a lot of the wrestlers had complained about the ring and how it wasn't a good feel on the bodies at the end of the day. You need to remember, my friends, even bumping on the ropes takes a toll on the body at the end of the day. And the wrestlers didn't like having that happen as they found the four-corner basic ring easier to handle where it came to the ropes and running them. I know that some people would love to have that six-sided ring back, but in the interest of keeping the wrestlers safe and healthy at the end of the day, you got to leave that six-sided ring aside. I know it was a cool attraction, but if the wrestlers didn't like having it in the past, leave it, leave it alone. What should happen in time is something I've talked about on here on the pod as well as on the basement show as well. Got to get off Access TV that I get is owned by the parent company that owned TNA Majority to begin with and to get on a network that allows for more viewership at the end of the day. The NWA reportedly just got a deal where NWA Power and a backstage show will be on the CW, which I know sounds like small potatoes, but at least with the CW, NWA Power could give AEW a run for their money in the ratings for, say, Rampage. Where should Impact land, you ask? I would take a wild shot, and it needs to go on the Paramount Network, where it's available in over 80 million households. Compare that to Access TV, which is only available in about 52 million households. That's a huge drop in coverage, to say the least. AEW and WWE have been able to find success on TV because they're on major networks that have a lot of reach with homes with cable. Can't say that for Impact. As access is so poorly available that people like myself had to subscribe to a YouTube channel to get Impact Weekly. And for those of us who are Ultimate Insiders, it's a good way for us to get the Impact Plus events and pay-per-views on YouTube as well. It's an exciting time for wrestling fans as TNA is coming back in January. But the rebooted TNA needs to take some things in mind. It's going to be great for the talent as well as the fans I'm looking forward to Hard to Kill, and more so now with the reboot coming as TNA is back, and that, my friends, is my final thought. Now on Spotify, Hellraiser, Leprechaun, Child's Play, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 45 Film Countdown. That's Sith's Basement right now on Spotify. That's said Champ. I yield the floor. So when AEW first came into existence back in 2019 they had the ambitious plan that they would do what wwe used to do back in the day and have pay-per-views once one pay-per-view per quarter four for the year full gear revolution double or nothing and all out and for a first couple of years of existence they were able to pull those off very very well but over the last couple of years, they have started to expand their pay-per-view schedule. In 2020 and 2022, they introduced Forbidden Door, a co-produced event with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that was a, a big success. But then this year, they started introducing more pay-per-views. They brought back Forbidden Door for a second year in a row. Then they introduced All In, marking their first trip and their first shows taking place in the United Kingdom and in Wembley Stadium, of all places, which was followed by All Out the very next weekend. 
they also introduced us to Wrestle Dream, which took place on the anniversary of the passing of Antonio Inoki. Just this week, they announced a new pay-per-view that will be taking place two days before the start of 2024, December 30th, World's End. So it looks as if AEW is starting to migrate towards having monthly pay-per-views instead of quarterly pay-per-views. What does that mean for AEW? It could mean a lot of things. It could mean that more buy rates, which could bring in more profits for them and things like that. I'm pretty sure that's a big deal. For, uh, that'll be a big deal, and that'll be something that they'll, they'll be looking at if they continue to introduce pay-per-views on a monthly basis. But what does that mean for the average wrestling fan? What that means is you can, you're going to potentially go from paying $60 every couple of months to watch AEW pay-per-view to potentially paying $60 monthly to watch an AEW pay-per-view. Not the most phys- fiscally uh, ideal thing in the world, is it? But there is the possibility of that, that they may be setting themselves up to be going streaming. Sort of like what WWE has with Peacock, where they can stream their pay-per-views on a streaming platform where all you're paying is the subscription price. Maybe that could work. Maybe that'll work out. Will it work out financially uh, positive for AEW? Hard to say. But will that be a positive thing for the wrestling fans to go from from possibly paying sixty dollars a month for pay-per-view? to being able to pay just pay a subscription to watch these pay-per-views for free i think that'd be a great benefit so aew i really really hope that if you are setting yourself up to have monthly pay-per-views that you not only think of not only your bottom line but you also think about your fans pockets because there are a lot of fans out there that cannot fork out 60 dollars every month to watch pay-per-views so either so there's got to be a solution to that if you're going that route. So if you're going the route of monthly of monthly pay-per-views, you better get on a streaming service and get on a streaming service fast. So that way you don't lose fans because they don't want to pay that type of money to watch pay-per-views. That's the best I could that's the best advice I could give for someone who's not a business major and knows nothing about this shit. But as a fan, I know for a fact I can't afford to be giving up $60 per month to watch AEW pay-per-views and live react to them. I just don't have it like that. So hopefully they keep, they keep that in mind moving forward. And that my friends is my final thought. All right. Coming up this week, uh, I'm back on sports on the on the hill podcast this coming Monday. Uh, we will be discussing the commander's tough, uh, week eight loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. We will also, uh, I will be doing that. Also, we'll be talking about the first week of action for the wizards in the regular season. Their regular season has started and we'll, by the time our podcast, our segment goes live, it will be three games in. So we'll talk about that. We will also have the caps round table, which we'll talk about the cats week as well so we have all that for you coming up this week on sports on the hill podcast plus many more make sure you check out sports com and make sure to check out the stream on twitch.tv slash robbie g underscore sports or check out sports on the hill podcast on facebook and with that that's all we have to talk about all right heck um what we got here uh Ross said uh talked about 
like talking about your idea of uh, Paramount mm-hmm. Network. If they go back to Paramount Network, it'll be a homecoming since Paramount used to be known as Spike TV. Yep. So there you go. And then Heretic Ninja, thank you, Heretic Ninja. Uh, he said that he he goes to the pay per views and spends twenty dollars to watch AEW pay per views. So uh, there you go, a nice cost effective way to do it. Unfortunately, like I said, we do live reactions, so it's kind of hard yeah. to do that in a theater. So I end up having to pay the money to do it. And stuff, and he says max with the sports tier is twenty five dollars a month. So, yeah, that's a big. I mentioned difference. that last week. That's a big difference. That's thirty five dollar difference as mm-hmm. opposed to paying uh, off the top or just the pay per view. So, that's a big yep. thing. Anyway, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, make sure you check out our social media platforms, facebook.com slash nospotspod, twitch.tv slash true nospotspod, twitter.com slash true no spots pod and tiktok.com slash at true no spots pod make sure you check out sith on both tiktok and twitter at true sip dance 74 and make sure you check out sage as you mentioned earlier on at i woke up as this guy named sage with underscores after every word uh and with that for our audio listeners we appreciate you listening we will be back again later this week for a special podcast where we will be previewing uh the upcoming crown jewel pay-per-view and remember we will be live reacting to crown jewel on our twitch channel uh this coming weekend as well take care and we will see you next week peace out hey guys it's champ here we hope you enjoyed that episode of no spots podcast if you did make sure you are following us so you can be notified when we upload new episodes and make sure you follow us on all social media platforms facebook.com slash no spots pod as well as on twitter at true no spots pod we will catch you on the next episode myself donnie wrestling and the sith for the No Spots Podcast on the True Radio Network.